Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks. That's right, it is your favourite metal podcast. I am your coast. A coast. <laughs> what a great start. I am your host. I am not the coast. I am not the edge of land. I am not where water meets dirt. Uh, I am, in fact, your host of the Talking Bollocks podcast. My name is Howard H. Smith. Um, Thank you for coming. Welcome. Hello. Welcome back. Um, It is lovely to be here as always. Well, I host this era podcast. Um, I also do stand-up comedy and I also sing in the UK thrash band Acid Rain. However, of course, none of that is going on at the moment due to the, I don't know if you've heard, pandemic. Yeah, apparently... There's this thing going around that is, um, yeah, can turn out to be quite nasty and kill you. Um, so, uh, you know, watch out for that if you haven't heard. Um, and apparently, um, yeah, that's, um, that, that's, that's a thing everywhere. Who would have thought it, eh? <laughs> um, if you are listening to this in the future, future person, um, we're right in the middle of a pandemic and it's shit. Never mind. Let's press on, shall we? Um, so, uh, what has been happening in the world of metal. Well, I'll tell you what's been happening in the world of metal. First off, um, this isn't at the top of anybody's news cycle, but there is now a new tier on the Talking Bollocks Patreon. That's right. There is the full bollocks. You can sign up for the full bollocks for $6 a month. You get a Zoom, a live Zoom podcast one Friday a month. Um, You get all sorts of stuff. You get radio shows. You get all exclusive stuff. You get behind the scenes. You get this podcast early. You get to submit questions to be asked of your heroes when I interview them. I mean, come on! All $6. Cool. You'll see the link in the podcast description. It says support this podcast. Tap that. Takes you there. By the way, everyone who signs up, seriously, everyone who signs up goes, this is great. I should have done it sooner. So I'm just saying, okay? That's not me saying that. That's them. That is them saying that. Okay? That is them saying that. And you will notice that I have, in honour, in honour of um, uh, this new tier, you will notice that there is a, a slightly different picture um, on your podcast this time. Well, some of you will and some of you won't because for some reason, some uh, podcast players, um, they pull the new, they pull, uh, you know, the particular episode image down. Some don't, some, uh, I mean... Some, I think, Stitcher people like that. I've, I've got still got my old picture up there, and I don't know how I can change it. Anyway, it seems we've gone off on a patent in tangent already, without getting to what we really want to know—the serious metal news of the last few weeks. Okay, first up, right? I know we're in lockdown, or wherever you are in some version of your of the life that you're living that is not quite normal. It's not quite the way it used to be. Don't worry, we all feel the same way. Yeah, but what you don't need to be doing is going into some group on Facebook or wherever, okay, and thinking that you're some kind of fucking genius who's going to stimulate an incredible debate with the question, who's better, Belladonna or Bush? Which anthrax do you prefer? If that is the best you can do... Shut up. Don't touch the keys on your keyboard, all right? 
Good God. I mean, we had, ooh, who's better in Sabbath? Ozzy or Dio? That was my that that was that was my childhood, right? And and now it's it, it, Belladonna and Bush is is just prevalent. And I'm just like, fucking, just give it a rest, please. It's not. It's just. I mean, it's not even a question that Bush or Belladonna seem to be particularly bothered about. That's for bloody sure. Um, but anyway, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just bored of it. Okay, that's all. That's all I'm saying. But hey bored of everything at the moment and um well this is a shame isn't it tony iomi came out and said that um remember heaven and hell that was basically um uh geezer butler tony iomi vinnie apercy and um ronnie dio awesome album by the way um better the devil you know awesome album um they were th- th- at one point there was going to be a heaven and hell album with um halford on vocals apparently um, but unfortunately, the news story that I read to find that out was to say it's never going to happen, <laughs> which is a bit of a fucking shame, really, because I think that would have been pretty awesome. Um, what else has been going on? Well, James Maynard Keenan, singer of, um, well, Tool, um, Pussifer, you know, various projects, um, is still, still struggling with the effects of... Um, coronavirus and recovering from it so fucking hell i mean that is unlucky lung damage for a singer i can honestly tell you right now yeah lungs are something that you probably don't want to be damaged so um you know fingers crossed all the best to him and now on to another singer um who also produces a lot of um work a lot of music but like maynard produces most of his work outside of his main band and most people would wish it was in the main band and that is that's right Serge Tankian yes remember them System System of a Down do you remember them yeah they put some albums out in the 90s I think like early 2000s yeah they uh, put a few out you know I don't know if you remember them but yeah they were a band and um yeah he's the singer uh you know <laughs> There you go, there's um, a quick search tank in impression for you. <laughs> anyway, um God, this is not this is not what you want to hear, is it really? <laughs> but I have been doing impressions recently and I have been encouraged to do more, but I I purely think it's because I'm particularly shit at impressions. I think that's the only reason. Anyway, um yeah, really, who cares, is what I'm saying, basically. I mean, I would rather listen to that, to my Serge Tankian impression on repeat than any of his new music. Um, and yeah, System of a Down have put out a couple of songs, have they? Brilliant, wonderful, it's for a good cause, yeah, great, but nah, not interested, can't be bothered. Anyway, um, I will have to, I will have to address... The fact that these accusations about Marilyn Manson that have come out. um, Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be responsible about this. okay? and I'm just I'm struggling a little bit with the concept of accusing people over social media in the press. Um, There is that there's there's no. Um, due process so th- there's no level of proof that has to be met 
So all of a sudden, um, Manson is now shed. You know, he's, he's losing. He's losing like agencies. And now look, before you know, b- before we go any further, I am not saying Marilyn Manson is innocent, and I am not saying he's guilty because I don't know. Okay, and to if we're going to look at that issue. If we're going to find out and we're going to establish guilt, then we do have a way of doing that. We do we do have um, processes in most countries where if something needs proving, there's a group of people you can go to. And then if they think they can prove it, then it'll go to this thing. I think it's called a court. Right. And then it has to be proven to a level. Be, you know, Basically, what I'm saying is... Um, are we is this what we do now i mean if, if somebody gets murdered are we, is it not going to be a case of going to the police anymore do you just put it on twitter uh, so and so murdered so and so yeah that happened that happened i'm putting it out i said it happened therefore it happened it's all a bit fucking weird if you've got if you've got long hair if you've got any kind of uh complaint to make about somebody Go and make it in the right place. Now, that sounds like a typical bloke, doesn't it? Any women listening, which is unlikely, I've got to be honest, but for those of you that are, um, you know, thank you for listening. I am not in any, any way trying to defend. I'm not a defender of abusers. I am not uh, somehow saying misogyny is okay or anything. Please don't tie a load of topics and subjects that have got nothing to do with what I'm saying to what I'm saying. I'm talking about legal process. I'm talking about people, whether they are men, whether they are women, whether they are transgender, whether they're gay, bi, I do not care. But if you are a human being, and you have a, a, a you know a case against somebody then make it in the right place and the right place is not fucking twitter it really isn't it really 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 isn't so unless you don't think you've got much of a case in which case you're going to do it in the court of public opinion and damage that person why because you've got a vendetta against them um, because they genuinely, they did something. We'll, we'll never know, will we? We'll never know if your case was genuine or whether it was just a vendetta and, and some over something petty. We'll never know because it's not going to court. I, and I think I've spent way too long on that. Fucking hell. Who cares? Let's make, well, people do care. It's a very important subject. Anyway, do you know what's coming next? What's coming up next is... More King Diamond, more new King Diamond, and more new Merciful Fate. Well, I say more new Merciful Fate. We haven't had any new Merciful Fate for some time. But he's on bloody track. He's cracking on. He's getting his own album out. He's getting the um, the Merciful Fate album out. I can't bloody wait. It's going to be very, very, very exciting. Other big news. Hey, big old news. Iron Maiden have been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And quite rightly, Iron Maiden um, and Rage Against the Machine. Now, I've got to be honest, that is awesome. That is two, you know, Maiden, one of the three bands that created metal. Rage Against the Machine, probably the, the definitive rap metal band ever. And anyone who says no, it's Limp Biscuit can get 
in the fucking sea. Yeah, mentalist. But as cool as Iron Maiden, Rage Against the Machine are, I mean, fucking groundbreaking acts, wouldn't we admit? Wouldn't we agree that those acts, like them or not, those acts were watersheds. They, they, they drove things on that little bit further. And, um, and the band after that? Foo Fighters. No, I mean, really? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? You know, I mean, Foo Fighters? I, I like Dave Grohl. I really do. I like his drums on the... Um, <laughs> I like his drums on the uh, Queens of the Stone Age album, Songs of the Deaf, but bloody hell, what is it about the... What is it? What is it about the fucking Foo Fighters? Every fucking album, you get a song, lead single, sounds great. Oh, bloody hell, I'm tempted. You get the album, it's shit. And I, I, I don't know, I just think Foo Fighters is a bit middle of the road, like hard rock metal, isn't it? To be fucking... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Really? I'm amazed. I'm amazed, but not as amazed as I am by the fact that ex-White Lion singer Mike Tramp has entered has entered the Danish competition. So he may he may become the Danish representative at the Eurovision Song Contest. Yes, that's right. You heard you heard correctly. Yes, that is what I said. Mike Tramp, formerly of White Lion, has entered the entered Danish Eurovision. Yet he may end up being the Danish entry to Eurovision. How fucking brilliant would that be, eh? Um, if it's anything like White Lion in the eighties, it won't be brilliant. It'll be shit. Anyway, I mean, Jesus Christ. I just... Do you know the thing I remember about White Lion more than anything else? Those album covers. Hey, with the fucking lion's face on. Like, yeah, your band's called White Lion. And and you've you've got a, well, if we're going to be technical, blonde lion on the cover. Wow. Fucking really? How much time did you not spend on that? Anyway... Um, finally, well, finally in this section, um, <laughs> it's good. It's more impressions. Hello, me. It's the real me. It's <laughs> the, the cartoon, cartoon Dave Mustaine. Fucking hell. I've just realised my Dave Mustaine impression is actually Daffy Duck, isn't it? It's like, hello, me. It's the real me. <laughs> um, oh, fuck me. No, that's Popeye. Jesus, what's going on? Well, anyway, fuck them fucking impressions right um dave mustaine is back in the studio recording vocals for the new megadeth album now that's got to be good news doesn't it really um i've been getting i've been getting back into me death recently um and there is there is some there's some great stuff in there in their catalogue and i have to say you know a bit like anthrax if you go through the catalogue it's like it's you know they are fucking regular those albums they are coming out you know, Dave has been has been on it. He's never slowed down, really. And um, yeah, it's 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 impressive. It really is. But um, so anyway, um, uh, yeah, he's uh, now. What have we got earlier? Now you see, this is what's happening. This is now what is happening, right? This is what blabbermouth have done because that's where I am. Right? Dave Mustaine has returned to the studio to resume laying down vocals on the new Megadeth album, and then it's got a picture of him in front of um, the mic. And 
The next paragraph. Earlier today, Dave's son, Justice, shared an Instagram photo of his father in a vocal booth and included the following message. Vocals are being laid down. They sound killer. Quiet when recording, please. Hashtag Megadeth. Right. And then it says, last month, Megadeth bassist David Ellison told rock and roll icons with, with well, on a podcast. And then it's the story I covered with, um, a, a few weeks ago, you know. Um, you know, like Dave said, when we announce it, he goes, we'll, we usually end up changing the, I don't know why, I don't know, I don't know why Dave Ellison suddenly starts sounding like this. We usually end up changing the title four or five times before it's released. We, we had a saying back in the old days, nothing's final until it's on vinyl. So everything can change, probably short of the name of the band, everything can change. It's all just a work in progress. I think that's the beauty of the creative world. People want to know answers like, what does it sound like? Does it sound like this album? Does it sound like that album? And it's like, hey man, I can't really tell you. It's a work in progress until it's done. And then once it's done, you'll hear it and it'll be done. And when it's done, it's done. And then we'll have to, we'll have a little to talk about. You know what I mean? That is Dave Elefson just popping in, guesting on the show. Very good of you, Dave. But anyway, to make the point that I was going to make right at the beginning before I got carried away with doing stupid impressions, um, that you've got, you've literally got the sentence about, you know, laying down those vocals and then you've got the paragraph. What you have there is a story that they ran um, last month. Well, let's say January. So a couple of weeks ago, this, they, they ran that story a couple of weeks ago and all they've done is they've put the main picture up there and they've ri- and they've whipped the they've nicked the picture from Dave Me- Dave Mustaine's son's Instagram so that's the main picture and all they've done is added a paragraph to put in what the message on Instagram was and then they've just put all of that on top of the article that they ran 2 or 3 weeks ago that is where we are. That is basically the exact same article that appeared two or three weeks ago with an extra paragraph and a different picture. And do you know what? Fair enough. I mean, look at what's, you know, we're all struggling for content. We're all struggling for everything, really. And I mean, let's face it, I'm coming up to 20 minutes here of absolute fucking gibberish. So let's get on to an interview, right? So this one's coming in two parts because the first part took place quite a while ago. It's my friend Miles Hackett. Now, Miles used to run uh, Dry Heave Records that put um, put the Planet of the Dan single out on vinyl back in the day. That was very good of him. Um, and he now works at BMG. We've had him on before. He was talking all all about the uh, the um, uh, re-releases and all the rest of it. And um, yeah, he's um, he's he's a top man. He's an absolute top man. Um, and as I said, this interview takes place in two parts. So I will come back to you um, in between because there's basically a, it's quite a few months between um, between the interviews. I mean, ultimately, you're looking at um, a, a good sort of six months between interviews. But that's kind of, you know, that's how it happened. So uh, anyway, um, I'm going to get a little... Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, what am I going to do? I'm going to get this fucking interview on. That's what I'm going to do. So here is myself and Miles Hackett speaking, um, I don't know when, about six months ago, probably more than that, actually. Um, yeah, this could be, this could be, in fact, why don't I have a little check? Let me see if I can find out. Okay, fucking August, six months ago. What was I playing at? Dearie me. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, Miles. 
Here's Miles having a chat just six months ago. Come on, don't let me down. This is the Vodafone voicemail service for 079. Please leave a message after the tone. When you finish recording, please hang up or press the hash key for more options. Hello, uh, this is a voicemail for Mr Hackett. This is the Inland Revenue. Um, could you call us immediately on the number you have for us, please? And, uh, and also call Howard. Cheers. Right, I knew he wouldn't let me down. Good day to you, sir. Hello. Sorry, Mr. Cool. Um, that's all right. Finishing up some meetings. Uh, that's all right, mate. Um, uh, if it wasn't for the massive amount of CDs you're going to send me at the end of this interview, I'd be really annoyed. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd, you know, it should be fine. Um <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm good, mate. You know, well, I'm locked down, and um, and all my work's fucked, so I've got no money, no prospects. Um, but other than oh, that, mate. you know, yeah. Well, it's all I'm, I'm consulting of some sort, don't you? I do. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm kind of doing a bit of that as well, but it, it's 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 really hit the skids. Um, a couple of contracts that I run are advertising contracts, and um, right. Yeah. Uh, and I've just just gone into the first one, which is basically the easy one and the one that's established and been around years. And um, we're like massively behind, which means that I'll earn less. And you know, oh, mate. yeah, I know, I know. It's it's it's. Weird, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to moan because we're we're all, you know, we're all struggling in various different ways. Whether it's you know financially, <laughs> mentally, physically, with our health, yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been at home for just over a hundred days now, working remotely. Bloody uh, hell! It doesn't feel like. Yeah, I, BMG being like a, you know, we're having branches in other countries where COVID was kicking in way before it did here. We were having trial runs of working out of the office one day a week, and I went away for the weekend and came back, and everyone thought, like, "Get your shit out, get out now." And that was about ten days before Boris finally manned up and did it. Um, so uh, yeah, it's kind of it's, it's all right. I'm, I'm I'm quite enjoying just sitting here listening to records all day, just getting on with my stuff. It's, it's all right. I can't complain. I know I know what you mean. Uh, it, it, it's 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 just fucking. I don't know. Well, it's it's mad, isn't it? I mean, we're all going through it, but fuck it. Um, let's let's not moan on too much. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I I miss gigs, but I haven't got FOMO because none of my mates are out posting about it on social. It is what it is, you know. I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm at peace with it. Yeah, it will come back. Um, and I've, I've you know, I feel particularly for the artists, because you you know yourselves that that you know earn their money on the road. It's difficult. Some of the artists I work with are finding it quite challenging. God, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, all my all my comedy's gone as well, which is like, oh, of course, which is yeah. the sort of yeah. the backbone, really. So there's, uh, and and I also host a few pub quizzes. They went one has yeah. one of those has come back. So that's like a that's a green shoot of recovery. There's a nice eighties right. political reference for you, um, <laughs> and um, uh, but anyway, look, mate, look, let's let's get let's get off all this shit. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And let, let's let, let's get onto a more positive metal vibe. Um, yeah. And um, and I say that actually, um, um, and I jest about the pack of CDs, but also I kind of don't jest, but also jest. No, absolutely. I will. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go. We'll take this offline and um, you know, <laughs> give me give me give me a wish list. <laughs> yes, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you the wish list. Um, well, one one that you weren't able to provide last time was the um, was the pleasure to kill um, reissue actually. Um, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll but, that. but I've got a, but but I um I um I've got some beautiful things from you. So thank you very much. The uh, the uh, funnily enough, you sent me the uh, Voivod ones, which was cool. I had actually already bought them, so um, uh, I regifted those to a to a fellow um, uh, Voivod fan. Um, oh, marvellous! So yeah, that was that was well and truly received. But um, sure. anyway, um, and you, you, you're working on all sorts of. Now, initially, we were going to be talking about this exciting new um, heavy metal magazine called Metal Thrashing Mad. But now we're not going to be talking no, about it. Called, is that right? Well, it's called uh, uh, Fistful of Metal. Well, I'm happy sorry, to talk yes, about it because, I've totally um, got the uh, titles mixed up there, haven't I? <laughs> Fucking how? I tell you what, how did they fuck up and not call it Metal Thrashing Mad? <laughs> Do you know what? Um, Oh, I, no, I get it. I get it. It's it's too thrash metal. Fistful of metal is nice and broad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a we had a. Uh, it, it's um, the whole thing's kind of born. As you know, I probably I probably know. I run a magazine called Down for Life, which is out of the Big Keys publishing realm. Yeah. Um, and I've worked with Big Keys for many years, and they're all my mates. And one of their titles wasn't doing so well and took a bit of a hit over this whole kind of pandemic nonsense called Louder Than War. It's it's um, it's kind of an indie title. Um, I don't think there's a dedication in that kind of fan base as there is with metal and punk fans. You know, niche titles seem to be the ones that are surviving. I mean, if you look at the magazine market since yeah. COVID kicked in, we've lost Q, Long Live Vinyl's gone. Um, and then to an extent, Kerrang! Uh, Planet Rock, even. Um, so, you know, one, one might consider it madness to start a, a magazine in this period, but um, the the publisher of those, Eugene, we were chatting, and I was just like, you know, there's a gap in the market here uh, from a sort of label perspective. I think some of the main mainstream metal titles yeah. have kind of, you know, they've gone modern, I get that, you know, everyone's trying to kind of keep on top of the times, but there's, I think a lot of them really lost sight of, of the, the, the audience that there is for, for some of these smaller genres of metal. I mean, look at Desert Fest, for example, massive festival, sells out every year. Does anyone write about stoner bands? No, they don't. No, no. Well, I, funnily enough, what you were saying there about, um, uh, uh, you know, about that situation, about magazines, um, I I always felt myself that Terrorizer kind of it went to the wall because it just it it didn't open up enough. Whereas obviously magazines you've mentioned, and I'm I'm not going to name any particular, I, you know, personally think have changed beyond all recognition, um, yeah. and have become something like you said they've forgotten who their core audience is. With me, Terrorizer was the is the example of what happens if the opposite. You know, though those those publications um, ultimately. Um, uh, evolved and if you don't evolve you become extinct and that's exactly what's happened yeah I don't know Terrorizer is a difficult one I think Terrorizer tried to evolve as it were like containing more mainstream stuff but 
at the time when it was doing it, a lot of other titles in the marketplace were very strong and had quite a lot of leverage. And um, they struggled to get some of the cover features they wanted to. That's the way I heard about it. But I don't, I don't know how true that is. But ultimately, I think yeah, the magazine industry obviously did change quite a few years ago with the dawn of the internet and stuff like that. And circulation went down. And they obviously they must have run into some sort of financial troubles. And when you don't put them, you know, publications become erratic. You lose your fan base as a result. Uh, I, I think it's, it's quite sad. I mean, the Terrorizer was a great magazine, but Zero Tolerance has kind of stepped into its shoes. Yeah. You know, and and it, and it is what it does. It says on the tin, and it, and I don't I don't see what Fistful's doing is kind of stepping on those toes. I just think it was kind of like the idea, the thought behind it was. There's all these kind of really massive. I mean, it's basically a magazine for people that go to Bloodstock or Wacken. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, these, absolutely. These festival numbers speak volumes for people. You know, not everyone yeah. wants to read about. I don't know Marilyn Manson or Lamb of God. You know. Yeah, but also I think uh, if you. But also I think now you have to be a lot smarter. And if you're not going to go, let's try and appeal to everybody. Then you have yeah. to identify who it is that you want to appeal to. And how big Absolutely. that market is, and just say, you know what, we're not going to be greedy. We just want that, that right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, if you identify with the core audience, and you know, you connect with them, then you're doing the right job. I mean, you know, Down for Life's a twice a year hardcore mag. Hardcore's not, you know, it's not a massive thing, but we have a core audience, and it ticks over, and it does very nicely. Thank you very much. You know, what I mean, that's not going to make anyone rich, but that's not the point of it. Um, I think, you know. And, and and from a label perspective, some of the you, you're very aware of the noise reissues that I've been doing over the years. Yeah, a lot of other sort of catalog stuff. And you know, I was placing ads in magazines and not getting any kind of kickback editorial, and going, "Well, why am I doing this? You're not really supporting it, anything here." And um, this obviously, this magazine is not created to, to provide me with some advertising outlet. That's, that's not the case <laughs> at all. But, <laughs> but yeah. I think it just it just it just kind of on the light really that, that that people there's a lot of people like you and me that aren't being catered for well I, I i i've got this vision of you being the um i've got this vision of you working at the magazine um and working in the advertising department and um and and, and, and yeah yeah and uh, ba- yeah 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 and re- re- ringing ringing miles at bmg hi miles <laughs> No, I tell you what, my ad budget's too tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's you again, is it? Fuck off. I told you yesterday where to go. <laughs> Here's a rate card from Fair Only. Come on. Yeah. You know, I saw I saw you in the bathroom mirror earlier. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of an... I'm, I'm, as I say, I've been sort of a consultory basis, just kind of lending some ideas and, you know... I, I really don't have the time to dedicate it to it, but there's someone else, like the former editor of Big Cheese, is going to be in control of it. And uh, we've got some amazing writers have got in touch. Got a really good team of people writing for it. So I hear. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, well, I, I think. I think this magazine's been kicking around for a while because I remember speaking to uh, Xavier Russell um, a, a, a while ago, and he said that there was something in the offing. Oh uh, right, okay. I would. I mean, cause, you know, do you remember Iron Fist magazine that was running for three or four years? Uh, which magazine, sorry? Iron Fist. 
Oh, like God, a, yes. Yes, I do remember Iron Fist, yeah. yeah. I think they were doing some great work. And again, it sort of ran on hard times. Uh, and I mean, we're not copied. There's no sort of intention to do their blueprint. They were a bit more trad and a bit more traditional in what they were doing. But I think, you know, there's there's just um, some great sub-genres of metal that aren't being catered for the people that, that love that shit. And I, I just think it just makes sense to me. Niche magazines are where they're at. They're the ones that are going to survive. They're like going to be the cockroaches of the magazine industry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely you know? agree, yeah. And like I said, you know, you, you're catering for people who aren't being catered for elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's about, you know... And I think that's... Ultimately, the success of kind of the whole Big Keys publishing thing, Viva the Rock, Down for Life, you know, it's kind of aimed at a certain age demographic. And the people that still like to kind of consume print media you know it's um they, these magazines have thrived during these periods because people want that connection they can't go out to see their favorite band or whatever but they'll buy a magazine on what you know and had it delivered to their house and read about it you know read these in-depth interviews and the, the page plan that i've seen for the first issue has got some great stuff in it that really appeal to a lot of people it's it's sadly missing um, uh, an exclusive interview with um, uh, UK thrash legend Howard H. Smith, but... Um, Your time will come. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Your mate. I'll tell you what, mate. If it doesn't, I will use my podcast solely to slag it off every every chance I get. I wouldn't want to incur your wrath or your backlash, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad my wrath and backlash have uh, 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 precede me. Um, so, so, um, so, what's coming up in the uh, in in the BMG world? Because I know you mentioned there was some there was some cool stuff coming. Yeah. So um, at the moment, it's all about Motorhead. At the moment, um, my life has been immersed fully in Motorhead. We've just announced um, a 40th anniversary editions of the classic Ace of Spades, um, including a rather massive box set that's kind of a proper bells and whistles job. Ah, um, right. The, the, you, you're going for the you're going for the millionaire Motorhead fan, yeah. You've made sure they're covered as well. Well, it's going to be streamable. You know? Oh, all oh, right. So, what you haven't got some hundred and sixty quid box set coming then? Yeah, yeah, we have. But <laughs> you know. Well, you can buy you can buy the box set, or you can buy like a, a nice three LP book or a two CD book. You know, like those media books. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what what are some down. of the um, what are some of the bells and some of the whistles? Then, I mean, you know, the, don't I don't not the extra tracks, not the not the music. Come on, what's the what's the what's the tap? <laughs> well, there's um, there's a there's a DVD in it that's taken twelve months of my life to put together. That's been a fascinating project. Actually, it's been we've been researching across TV archives across the world. Wow. Um, digging, digging up loads of footage of Motorhead. Like, they did a lot of kind of mind TV performances, particularly of Ace of Spades, across that period yeah. in various countries. Some of them are on YouTube, some of them aren't. But the, we struck some gold. We found some really good interview stuff. And one of them was um, Phil Taylor broke his neck after a gig in Belfast in 1980. I think it was 1980, actually. Maybe it was 81. Um, in a drunken competition of carrying people picking people up over their heads or something and someone drops him down a flight of stairs but it's got him being interviewed in a hospital bed by Gloria Huniford on the Ulster News the next day it's never been seen since it was broadcast oh, hell, that's amazing <laughs> it's just great you know and we've pulled up all this great footage and made like a little 15 minute 
kind of compilation documentary of it. It's been a complete learning curve for me because I've never worked in doing a DVD or even the sourcing this footage, you know. But we've, we've picked up some pure gold. It's absolutely brilliant. And so I think that's going to really excite people. I think the overwhelming feedback we had from doing the 1979 box last year, which was the sort of Overkill and Bomber one, was everyone was like, where's well, the DVD of footage? And it's like, well, not that much of it exists, but I kind of made it a personal mission to go out and find as much of it as humanly possible. And, uh, and it's, it's great, honestly. It's been a lot of fun putting that together. It's, Even, all, it's also um, it's also cool as well that you're that you're, you're putting stuff out and you're able to you're able to get you know direct feedback. Speaking to somebody who's released an album for the first time in twenty nine years recently, yeah. you know, you, you you can get direct feedback very quickly as to what the general vibe is. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and and which is great, but also it, it's kind of it, it, you, you know you sort of store it away going right yeah i'll remember that for next time i'll remember that for next time and you know uh, absolutely i think that was the overwhelming thing i mean the last box set we put you know two unreleased live concerts in it and people they were you know basically lemmy used to record every one of his gigs on a 90 minute cassette off the desk and apparently he's got tons of them and they're all in an archive in the us and so there was you know some are better than others and they're not great but you know we had them mastered and mixed by um, Cameron Webb, who's like Motorhead's long-time uh, producer, you know, did their last 10 albums or something like that. Yeah. And and so, you know, he's brought them up to a standard where they're listenable, but they're not bootleg quality. And so, you know, we dipped into all of that, and then afterwards, people were like, oh, yeah, DVD. I was like, okay, so people want to see stuff as well. And so, we've, we, as I say, we've we collated all this footage, and it's great, it's, it's been a fascinating journey putting it all together and finding it because what you do is you, you go to a TV company and go, oh, I understand you've got this. this like, you know, and you give them a bin number and they'll, they'll, you have to pay to have a screener back. So they'll run off the tape and send you like a little low-res thing back and you go, yeah. no, no, we've already got that, you know. So and then all of a sudden you go, jackpot, fill in, fill in a hospital bed. Brilliant. <laughs> you know. Glory on Get in there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the gold. And I think fans are really going to enjoy that because People want to. That's the whole point of, of this sort of stuff, you know, is, is putting stuff out. I don't want to keep recycling things, and, and we make stuff. I personally make stuff that people that I would want to buy. I mean, it's even done. We've even got silly things. So the box looks like a kind of wily coyote kind of Wild West ammo box, wooden looking thing. Yeah. And in, inside the lid is a um, is a. a a craps board almost and you get a set of motorhead dice with it so you can play poker dice in the lid you know nice try and make a box not a box with shit in it make it an experience yeah yeah well I'd look at I'm, I'm that is very much that is very much always been my mindset behind anything we do which is which is uh, you know I, if I'm if I'm unwrap, unwrapping this what do I think you know, yeah, and that's yeah. like why I was supremely confident that the new album was going to go down well. You can't say that because you look like an egotistical arsehole, <laughs> and I spend a lot of time trying to cover that up. <laughs> and, and... It's fine, though, but you want people to feel it. It's not just about the music; it's the packaging. I mean, this goes back to our youth, doesn't it? True. And the True. excitement of going out and buying a record from a shop and unwrapping it and pulling it out and reading the liner notes and all that kind of stuff that shit never goes away yeah, and yeah I think no, if you totally. can present it in a really nice context with you know curveballs people go wow so basically so you lift you lift you lift all the stuff out of the box and at the very yeah. bottom there's like a 
thing that looks like a Wild West table with like chips and stuff on it. But right. the DVD is stuck into it and there's a flap that lifts up and then the DVD's a roulette wheel. Oh, you know? nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just the kind of concept of it. But that, but look, that's, that's exactly what you got to do. I mean, I've I've got the um I've got the five CD and Blu-ray um book of uh, script for a Justice Tear by Marillion. Okay, um, I've got the Clutching at Straws one as well, and um it's just it, it's just so superbly put together. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's I don't put it this way. I don't keep it with my CDs because they don't. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They've they've been promoted. Yeah. You know, they've been they've been promoted from the league of CDs, and they're kind of like up on the bookshelf. Yeah, I mean, as a fan of that band, that's resonated with you. You, you know, oh. you've, you've taken that and you've elevated it, and so whoever put that together has yeah. done their job properly. You know, but the thing and is think... that you know, but the thing is, you know, as a fan, when you when you get that feeling, um, it's awesome. But yeah. for me, I also get the feeling that like. I, I also think, yeah, someone as passionate as me has put this together, and I'm pleased yeah. for them as well. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah nice yeah, one, mate. Yeah. Nice guys. Yeah. Nice, nice job, guys. You know, you pulled it off. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because that's kind of the way that I think a lot of the team I work with. I can't take sole credit for this. There's a lot of people work on this. You know, design teams and people like that. And oh yeah, but I was I was talking about the Marillion <laughs> stuff. Your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. stuff is shit. <laughs> yeah. Two Bob, <laughs> Two Bob, together. No, no, be- beautiful. You know, beautifully done. Because, funnily enough, when I was waiting for you to call back, I had every faith you would. Um, <laughs> I, um, I was flicking through my uh, Tomegatherian um, booklet that you sent me, and yeah. I mean, it is just—it's faultless, mate. And I'm not—I'm not just kissing your ass because you're on here. Um, but it is—it's absolutely faultless to the point as well that. Um, just including the tragic serenades artwork, which which for some reason that EP um, had completely skipped my mind, and then I saw the artwork in the booklet, and I was like, "Oh yeah. fucking hell, I had that!" It's funny because um, tragic serenades was originally released like basically Frost. They, re- they recorded those demos. They recorded them as demos, and Noise yeah. just put it out with a cover yeah. without their approval and. They weren't best pleased about it, but in time to come, they obviously have to incorporate in their story, and they're happy to. But I've so many people going, "Why don't you release Tragic Serenade?" It's like, did you not like look through to Megatherion? It's part of that. Yeah, you know that's that's the sort of sequence that it was supposed to be done. In fact, did you see we did Hellhammer this year? Um, um, uh, yes, I did see. I'm, I mean, you know, not a Hellhammer fan, so it did. It, it you know, it did rise, raise, a, raise a blip on the radar, and I think I did throw it out okay. there uh, on the on the podcast yeah. one month. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun to put together. I mean, we did because that that EP was quite poorly done in the start, and there'd been some pretty shonky reissues of it over the years. But you know, we worked quite closely with Tom, and he came out with, and, and obviously they'd done that Demon Entrails released on Century Media where he put all his demos out in a really luxurious package with loads of photos but Tom still came to the table with some amazing unseen photos and drawings that hadn't been put out anywhere before again making it quite a unique package for fans and he oversaw the whole thing so I, I think there's a, particularly with Carrick Frost and Hellhammer a lot of the credit has to go to him because he has a vision and I literally you know, we were like, how would you like, you know, what, what's your vision for this? And mm. he sent over a PDF document that you could have designed up 
Yeah. How he laid it all up. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah, you know, but he, that's, he, he sees it that way, and that's that's great. Yeah, it makes my job easier. Uh, that, that's well. That's that. The thing is that that is what you want, isn't it? It's these. It's like yeah. it's like when I was talking to Mark Wilkinson about our album sleeve, and he was like, you know, what ideas you got? And I said, I've got a few concepts, and he was like, oh, good. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh yeah. There's nothing worse than 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 someone saying, um, uh, oh, we, all we've got is the title, you know, and we thought we'd leave it to you. <laughs> And he'd be like, oh, great. That is literally like, oh, could you uh, paint us something we'll all like, please? Yeah, I. you know what? I've been there. Um, last year I worked with The Damned. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> we, you, you were damned to work with The Damned, were you? Yeah, we put like a, a career-spanning best of out. And it's like, has anyone got any ideas for artwork for this, you know? Damanian silence but I was getting you know feedback from managers it kept changing by the week and then all of a sudden he wasn't involved in it Captain Sensible was and, oh I've never been such a through a teeth pulling exercise in my entire life oh, right. miracle it happened <laughs> absolute miracle it happened but we got there and it looks good but wow <laughs> the process of getting there but well, it sounds, it sounds like um, sounds like Tom is just an uh, an absolute ideal client, if you like. Yeah, yeah, because you know, I think he's lived and breathed that stuff, and I think perhaps he had these images of what he wanted to do back in the day, but yeah, yeah. the label wasn't prepared to put them, the investment into it, and now that the, the records have become this kind of like cult status, you know, you can go to him and go, "What would you like in it?" And he's like, "I'd like two posters and a booklet." You got yeah. it. You know, he's like, he's like, I'd like it. I'd like all of the packaging that I wanted when we released it, and was told to fuck off. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of trying, in some way, to kind of redress that balance. Then the the hatred that, that that he felt towards the kind of old noise team because of the, the way that his music is maligned, I think, by them. And um, but you know, their um, their longevity of that band has never deteriorated. So you know, he's had the last laugh. So yeah, very much so. Um, and um, uh, do you think? Do you think the, the the fucking about with the the label and everything? Do you think that's kind of sort of tainted the whole Celtic Frost name a bit for for Tom? I mean, I know I, I'm effectively asking you to answer a question on behalf of Tom Warrior, so I'm um, you know, but I'm I'm interested as to your opinion, having had close dealings with him. I don't know. I mean, he. <laughs> It's very well documented. He's written about it in two books. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it hasn't really pulled any punches. And I know early on in the relationship that we had with him, a little bit before I joined, actually, that they'd wanted to censor some of the liner notes that were making some disparaging remarks with Carl Blackwell, Carl Waterback, and, and he got very, very upset about it. Um, but... I, I don't think so. No, I don't think it has tainted anyone's vision of it. I mean, I think the music speaks for itself. Yeah. And, you know, he... Uh, uh, he had to be... Um, released. Uh, yes. It's, um, it's incredible. It's absolutely... I mean, I wish... I, it gives me kills hearing Rex Ray played live. Like, I always wanted to hear that song played live. I know it's not for everybody, but I, I wanted to hear it. I didn't go to Roadburn, so that's the next best thing. It's absolutely incredible, and the packaging. I bought the deluxe one with the book and everything. Yeah. Well, I I, re- I saw um I saw them live. Uh, I'm sure you'll have been there. The forum when Trips yeah, yeah, played yeah. the forum, yeah. And I, just, I they were supporting, weren't they? They were supporting Cannibal Corpse, as I remember. That's it. That's it. And um and I just love the fact 
that Tom Warrior comes out with his new band, supporting, and goes straight into Circle of the Tyrants. And it's just like, yeah. oh, dude, you are a fucking legend. Because who, <laughs> who does that? Do you know what I mean? Who, I who, who breaks out a fucking 25, 30-year-old song to open up with when you're fucking yeah. supporting and you haven't played for years in this country? And yeah. I just, and it was just the absolute and complete and total recognition of the legacy, why you're here, what you want to hear, what you want to see, you know, and to... to the, because he opened with that track from then on he could have just played like a load of um obscure shit i'd never heard before do you know, yeah. you know what i mean he'd, he'd got me he, you know that that choice for me was just like right you now have permission to do anything you want with this set whatsoever if you don't play any more celtic frost songs that's fine with me because you have delivered as I recall, he played a couple that night. He did, yeah. Two or three, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I, I was, know, I was, I, I know. I mean, opening with Circle of the Tyrants, I was literally, yeah, I, I was, I was. That's as close as I've. Uh, one of the times, that's as close as I've got to actually having a wank in a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what? I, I am um, like nerd that I am. When I heard that that he was going to start playing the Triumph of Death stuff, you know, he would perform that band Triumph of Death to play Hellhammer. Yeah. Um, I think it was this time last year, or maybe a bit earlier, um, a couple of mates and I flew to Hamburg and went to see them in a place the size of the Black Art. It was the first show they'd done. Bloody hell. that band. It was like a, they were doing two warm-ups and then Hellfest. It must have been June. And like to see them in this like subterranean little Black Art style venue playing that Hellhammer stuff and it was just as dirty. He, like there was no, sometimes I, I, I you know, like bands kind of like the drummer will put some drum fills or whatever like that. You know what I mean? And try and beef it up a bit. No, it was played as it was recorded, except there two guitars that was heavy as fuck, and it was dirty, and it was sluggy, and it was filthy, and it was everything I wanted it to be. It was absolutely brilliant. And did you have a wank? <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. You see, you know what I'm talking about. You laughed at me when I said it, but. No, no, no. That's why I'm telling you this story. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> That's your musical boner. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, that's that's, and that is a typical uh, Miles Hackett thing to do because um, I remember playing um, Eindhoven Metal Meeting in 2015, <laughs> and and it was December, and we, you know, we'd 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 had Planet of the Damned out for a few months by then, and we, you know, we we mentioned that it was uh, that it was out on vinyl, um, and I just happened to look up into the balcony and see none other than yourself. <laughs> um, filming us, which was just utterly bizarre. It was, and the thing is, that was probably the most old school um, period of acid rain that there's been since we'd come back. And when I say period, I mean those few minutes, because basically yeah. what happened was you were up on the balcony, so I got the whole crowd to uh, like tell you to fuck. I remember off. shouting some abuse. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so, with me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell him to fuck off, everyone. Once, and, and then Mark's kit fell apart, and I had, to, and so I ended up just chatting to the crowd and getting him to yodel like I haven't done since the fucking Astoria in 1989. <laughs> I was probably at that show. <laughs> yeah, 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 that that must have been fucking. I tell you what, mate, it, that was probably as weird for you as it was for me. Because as I was doing it, as I was doing it, the phrase that was running through my head was, "Jesus, Howard, 
fucking 25 years and you haven't come up with anything better <laughs> to pad kind of a, to pad out you know, when something's fucked up yeah it was you know it was english wasn't their first language so you're allowed to do that kind of thing you know well that's, damn I, good english that, that is, that, that's very good of you that is very good of you but that did <laughs> that did surprise the fuck out of me suddenly just looking up and seeing you on the balcony just yeah, filming away well, I, I think when i was doing my humble little label it was I had two bands on the bill. There was you and Nuclear Assault. And um, as I recall, it was Nuclear Assault's um, last ever gig with Glenn Evans. He retired after that show. Yes. Um, ah, the, hang on. Was it? Because... Oh... He did. Yeah. I remember he stood up at the end and went, that's it, I'm not doing it again. And I'm, I'm friends with him on Facebook and we've spoken. And oh, yeah. He, he was in a lot of pain. Um yeah. doing that last European tour that they did because they did that massive festival run that was like some, like 30 shows I remember we went out to see them in Dublin and then I saw them at Bloodstock and um, his shoulders you know he had to have cortisone injections and all that kind of stuff because you know he yeah. was the oldest member of the band he'd been into like TT Quick and stuff like that Yeah. and all the others were quite young when, when they started and he was kind of 30 and they were like early 20s you know oh so mate I, look, I, I, I remember I was, yeah no look, I remember I was out on the road with him and, oh, know, of course you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and remember your, your, your stories from your wonderful uh, tales from the thrash or whatever it was. That you oh, did right, yeah, yeah. Me, 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 and yeah, uh, nuclear assault in one dressing room, acid rain in one dressing room, and Glenn and Howard in another dressing room because <laughs> they've both left their respective bands <laughs> and can't, can't be trusted to be in a room with their other members. <laughs> it was great. Glenn and I spent the whole night just going on about how fucking great the two of us were and how shit everybody else was. <laughs> you know, we just sat in that dressing room and he was like, he's like, so what, you know, what's going on with you guys? And I was like, I was saying, and he was like, but that, that's fucking bullshit, man. I was like, exactly. So what's going on with you? He's like, man, I don't want to play Finland. I don't know why he suddenly turned into like, he lives in fucking Milwaukee or something, but, um, um, he was like, yeah. oh, at the time it was like, I don't want to play Finland, and, New- and they they had a yeah, they had a date, one date that the rest of us weren't playing. Us and Dark Angel were going home, and they were playing one date on their own. And Glenn was like, Nah, I've had enough. If they're not going, right. if, if the other bands aren't going, right. I'm not going. And they were like, Well, you know, uh, and anyway, yeah, you know, they ended up going, of course. Um, yeah, of course they did. Yes, because that's the way it always works out. But um, yeah. oh, hey, I mean, those, was- those were the days. Yes, you're, you're quite right. Yes, indeed. That's, that's always nostalgic. I've, I mean, they were supposed to be playing that that the the uh, first ever UK Death Fest, weren't they? With with Triumph of Death, actually. I think it was it's going to be was supposed to be in a weekend's time in Camden. Um, it's been moved to next year, like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um. <coughs> but, but I've got some other fun stuff on the horizon. I've got a very exciting creator thing I'm working do on you, at the moment. Do you know what, Miles? I was about to ask you. Um, so you've you've done a great job so far. Carry on without me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Well, the, do you know what? The, the noise catalogue didn't go quite as deep as I'd hoped. I mean, um, there'd been obviously because the label had changed hands a lot over the years, yeah. and some bands some bands have managed to. Well, managed to. I mean, there was a, basically the paperwork kind of dissolved in rotting boxes at Sanctuary Records, I think, when they went bankrupt. Yeah. And so some of the other bands like Coroner and um, some of the sort of weekly power metal bands like Gamma Ray and Stratovarius and all that, they all got their catalogue back. Rage were another one. Um, that, do you know, so we don't. 
Yeah, uh, look, I, I speak on behalf of all thrash metal fans from the 80s who remember all of those bands, and thank you for not re-releasing any of that shit. <laughs> we still have Camelot, though. <laughs> uh, oh, for fuck's sake. Well, yeah, ble- bless them, bless them. Let, 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 let them have the moment in the sun. They didn't have it back in the day, let them have it now. <laughs> but, so yeah, the, the well-run drive, decent stuff fairly quickly. Um and then, as I say, some of it kind of moved on. But there's uh, there's an exciting creative project I'm working on at the moment that's that's a box set, I'll say that much. Um, oh, oh, brilliant. Um, so you say it's exciting, you've hinted it as a box set, and are you now going to do the super bitch thing of not tell us any, t- telling us anything else? <laughs> and before yeah. you say, I can't, you brought it up. Well, no, I, I can talk about it, but it would be spoiling the surprise. Um, oh right! It's got, some, it's got some cool stuff in it, and you and the box itself is gonna like turn a few heads. It's um, it's interesting, and it's and it's realizing one of my dreams. It's actually, I'm a big toy collector, and it's gonna have a kind of toy in it as well. So um, yeah, it's quite a fascinating well, uh, thing to put together. Well, and I've been working closely with Mele. He's been bringing in some stuff that no one's ever seen or heard before. Wow! So uh, yeah, there's gonna be some cool shit on it, and it's kind of a noise era box set. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's, there's there's some stuff on there that no one's ever seen or heard before, and it's going to be presented in quite an interesting manner. Um, right. Well, I look, you've, you've got my you've got my in- my interest is peaked, sir. <laughs> um, can I then, um, yeah, can I ask then... you do can I ask you a favour though? Right now, I know I know sure. like noise is noise and all the rest of it. Okay, but there is one album for me that needs remastering, re-releasing. Um, in all its entirety, with a with a with a track restored to it, and that would be the second Violence album, Oppressing the Masses. That was never released on Noise, was it? No, that's why I said it's got nothing to do with Noise. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. Okay. In fact, I'm not. I'm not you sure I did say it? that. Um, well, it was on M- it was on MCA Mechanics, right? And I know yeah. Phil Phil Demmel did a great um, version of the Eternal Nightmare, which wasn't on MCA, but um, that came out. Um, in fact, I think it was just a distribution deal with MCA for that. But um, he's yeah. re-released that with you know a live a live album and it's remastered and everything. But when it comes to uh, oppressing the masses, there's fuck all, and it's just like with the reawakening of the violence myth and the fact they're going to come back and there's new material. It'd be fucking yeah. great. It'd be great. Well, you know where I'm coming from, obviously. It's like yeah, if there's ever a time to get that fucker out and maximize sales, maximize sales, it's fucking now. <laughs> Well, you know what? Um, it's a weird one because there's a lot of majors sitting on dead archives. Yeah, they've all kind of gone digital, um, and they, you know, if you're not like Dolly Parton or Elvis, they don't give a shit. Yeah, Universal, they're kind of scratching the surface. I mean, they're doing they're doing Anthrax reissues, and that's about as deep as they're going to scratch. Oh, they they've, um, they they've they had they have no idea what they have, and they have uh, no interest in finding out how much of no idea they have. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, there's a there's a label in um, in Holland called Music on Vinyl, and they do these amazing vinyl reissues of of like these deep catalogue records. I've been buying some recently. Um, Downset's first album and that band Paul. Do you remember them from the nineties? Kind of like a country grunge band almost. Mm, not really, but to be Sounds honest, they sound like something. I'd, I'd, well, I, yeah, I'm, in that case, I definitely but, don't remember it. I've wiped it from memory. But 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 you know they're they're actually managing to dig into deep catalogue, but they. The, the stuff that they're getting doesn't even go up on Spotify. It's mental. And I'm sure violence is probably sitting somewhere. 
some of these labels don't even know they own this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, BMG is a big company, but it's small in compared to Sony or Universal. And we know exactly what we have. And, you know, sometimes I'm kind of like, what else can we get? You know, um, there's a lot of stuff, good stuff coming in. I'm going to be doing some really cool old thrash reissues next year, some other stuff. From oh, cool. Sepultura, Overkill, uh, well, amongst others. Well, you know, that, but, funnily yeah. enough, you were saying there about, um, you know, labels not, not not knowing what they have and all the rest of it. Um, when our, when our um, albums... Um, were re-released earlier this year on vinyl. So Moshkin yep. signed the fear and, and obnoxious. Um, did that dissonance do those? Sorry? Did dissonance do those for you? They did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, and um uh and we did the box set C D and all the rest of it. Um and then obviously the um the uh oh yeah, the box set's not available online. Um but anyway, um Dissonance got a letter from Universal. Actually, no, not Dissonance. Um, Universal appealed against um, uh, Dissonance, claiming that they had the rights to put any of that music out, and that that's a Universal no Universal artist, Universal um, uh, universally owned. And so their their legal um, department emailed me Dissonance and was like, "Right, so can you enlighten us to this?" And I was like. Yeah, ask them to produce a contract that states that. Ask them to produce you any form of contract, them, though, didn't you? Hey, didn't you license it to them? We uh, well, this is this is where it goes deeper. We did the Apple Core archives, which was CD, yeah. uh, which was CD only. Then Candlelight that. got bought by Universal. Universal assumed uh, that they owned, uh, assumed gotcha. that they owned the digital. They then put. Um, the Apple Core archives um, out digitally, which they should never have been. So if you ever see it, that's yeah, that was never authorized. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Universal assumed, oh look, Candlelight fucked up and never put this out digitally. What a bunch of fucking idiots! No, they weren't idiots. It's all, all of that stuff right was thing. all of that stuff was already available online. That's why the Apple Core archives was never never online. It was a CD only deal. Yeah, yeah. So not only yeah. did they not own the rights to those tunes that are, are online, um, as of coming up to, and I think it was like the you know the time was running out on their deal at all. So when I finally yeah. managed to get hold of the Universal Legal Department, she just went, uh, "Oh, at, hands up! Totally my fault. Absolutely, <laughs> totally." But the thing is, I totally felt for her because she had how many hundred artists. Yeah, and, yeah. and you can't go through and look at every contract. And and she said basically she did what either of us had done, which would which was you go. Do you know what? We own everything. We put it out. If it's not out already, if we've done yeah. bad, somebody will tell us. Exactly. And uh, and uh, we had a similar issue with uh, one of the smaller noise artists, uh, Vendetta, last ah. year or the year before. It wasn't something we were going to approach, but we licensed it to music on vinyl. They do a lovely vinyl version, and then they got in touch, going, "Hang on a minute." We've got all our catalogue back, so we just went to music and find a way you pay them the royalties instead, and everything was good in the world. But yeah, it is hard to keep a track of it. Yeah, sometimes because the the contract. I mean, you know, some of the acquisitions that come in, you know, like if people like Roadrunner catalogue, for example, it would all be signed and sealed in, in a mint format. But some of these dodgy old indie labels, you know, stuff doesn't exist. Yeah, and and yeah, so it, 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 it says it, the it says the proud over of a dodgy old in, indie label. <laughs> 
But who, who, you know, who knows where some of this... I, I get emails all the time saying, why didn't you release Voivod's Nothing Face? And I'm like, Noise had a license for it in Europe, but ultimately it was on oh. that MCA label. Oh, mate, mate. Same label. Yeah. S- same label as Violence. Where did it go? Someone Fuck. owns it. Well, well it's it must Sony be Sony or Universal. I reckon it's probably Sony. What? Did, well, do they own? Do, well, who bought MCA or does MCA still exist? I don't think it did. Yeah, it wouldn't take long to try and find out, but it's bound to be in an archive somewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, years ago, two, when I was running two, my own label, oh. I wanted to license a band called Black Train Jack. I don't know if you've ever heard them. They were on Roadrunner, the two albums, kind of melodic New York hardcore. No, don't remember. Uh, anyway, I followed the trail down right down to Warner in New York. But they wanted too much money, so back out of it. But yeah. <laughs> but in this in this day and age, it's like it's like I, I you know how the hell do you end up talking to somebody who overestimates the value of something that was wasn't big in the first place? It's like, dude, I just know. fucking get it out there. What is it earning you at the moment? Yeah, I, one of the albums wasn't even available digitally because they couldn't find the master tape. But it's oh. just a there's a there's a a standard line that they will do. And the licensing thing is a twenty five percent royalty, which is quite high in comparison to some of the normal artist contracts, and then you pay a load of money up front, like you pay in advance and da da da. And anyway, if you're a little fledgling label, you can't afford that. Yeah. Um and we get what you of it, because you know, some people there are uh, there are some unscrupulous people that will license something and not pay through and then you can't pay the artist, you know. Well we happen. um uh, well well we just told um we told uh, Universal to produce a contract because we can that proves that they don't own it, own it. and if they can yeah. produce a contract to the uh, uh, to the country then we'd love to see it um, yeah because I mean your stuff was originally on Music for Nations but obviously it was returned to you yeah otherwise I mean, it would run in Sony's archive <laughs> well uh, oh yeah well that Sony is who I went to for master tapes to try when, when we were talking about in 2012 when Lost and Found approached me well, they came out in 2012, right. so it'd be 2011 when yeah. Lost and Found approached me and said, like, oh, you know, we'd, we'd like to do a remaster. And I was like, that's fucking great. Um, and then, yeah, I spoke to Sony, spoke to the head of the archive. As soon as I said the words, like, Music for Nations, and he said, he said, just let me stop you there. If you're on Music for Nations or any of its um, other labels that it had, I will say there's a 90% chance that we do not have your stuff. And if we do have it, that I will not be able to find it. Oh wow! Right, okay. Why is that? And he said because of the state of everything when it was given to us. Yeah, yeah, that's a familiar story. I mean, you can see the Motorhead archive. There's all the uh, multi-tracks, all those albums are missing. And well, the thing is, the thing is, as well, is it? It's like with everything, everything literally now being catalogued digitally. um, It's it's hard. It's hard to see when when any of that is going to change, you know, apart from when people like you do the, do projects like this where you go trawling through stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of us that do it. I mean, for example, the Death Row reissues that we did a couple of years ago. Fine reissues, been, sir. But never released on CD originally, so we had to get them mastered off of the vinyl. I had, I had, the, I had the second Death Row album on CD. I... Um, there was a reissue of it, but it, the mastering compressed its shit. No, I no to... no. I had it. I had it originally. Oh really? Okay. Um, right, well, I, yeah, well hang, hang on. Am I am I completely insane? There, are you about to say? Well, Howard, 
with the greatest of respect, I know you didn't because it was never long released. Time ago and I can't remember, but I re- yeah, we do quite. A fair, well, I mean, basically, most of the noise archive we have to buy it off a of Discogs and scan right. it, yeah, and rip it. It's really as basic as that. I'll edit that, that bit stuff, out, mate. It's gone for good. That's all right. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they found in the archive. They actually, you know what? We found we found a couple of production master tapes in the archive so I think it was for Deception Ignored ah nice uh, but it's a production tape it's not the actual full yeah multi-tracks you know yeah all that stuff's lost for good it's a bit like all the frost and all the Hellhammer. yeah yeah but it got looted when Sanctuary went bankrupt I don't know in the early 2000s apparently it was like the last days of Rome and people were just like not like that I mean someone's got it somewhere yeah oh yeah yeah The I'm, I've, I've heard a similar story so yeah, people have got literally a master tape in a spare room somewhere of some classic fucking metal album. I mean, I'm still, I'm still smarting from that. The MCA owning Nothing Face and Oppressing the Masses, two fucking yeah. classics of of the era. Interestingly enough, though, and I, and I don't know why it hasn't happened because there's a really, there's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of great. German indie labels and some in Greece, weirdly enough, that make oh, yeah. their and, uh, well, life work to track this stuff down and license them and reissue them because I bought them. Can I add? Can know. I add Poland as well? Fair few Polish yeah. remasters over the years. Yeah, yeah. They and got it, hold of. Um, I mean, they they remastered the two Realm albums, believe it or not. Realm, there you go. Now you're going hey. back. Now they're Roadrunner. Hey, hey. Now, now we're yeah. talking. Yeah. I, I mean, I bought from the High Roller the other day. I ordered a nasty Savage reissue and Angel Dust. Remember them? Yeah. Stuff that's you know in the dim and distant past. Yeah. But some of the major stuff. I mean, some of these labels are digging it out, and I applaud them because I think you know someone has to. We get a lot of requests for noise stuff, um, and we've had some quite strange requests for some deep catalogue. And I'm like, yeah, license it to them, man. Let's get it out. I, I tell you what, I, if I was if I was a fucking label at the moment, I would have my staff socially distancing in fucking warehouses across the world, cataloguing <laughs> everything, just saying, don't go into the office, keep your phone on you, get down the fucking warehouse. Well, yeah. the fact of the matter is that not a lot of it's there. It just exists. It, like, weirdly enough, so for example, I'll pull up, pluck an obscure noise band out, Lafay. Right? Who? Yeah. You've got, oh, you've got, <laughs> exactly. no, you've, you've oh, no, fuck it, Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sabbath, sadly, we can't, um, uh, we can't do anything with. Yeah. Um, I'd love nothing more than to do something to do Sabbath, but at the request of Andy Sneap, um, we left it. Um, yes. Because he just doesn't want, you know, there's obviously been previous conflict with him and Martin, and, you know, it is what it is. It's it, well, it is what it is. Uh, as is, it's it's never going to be resolved. So um, yeah, it's it's yeah. like the cold lake you <laughs> take trash. <laughs> it, it, it is, isn't it? It's the um, it, well. It's I, I I don't know. Is it or is it is it the uh, is it the the Sharon and Ozzy of the UK thrash scene? Um, yeah, possibly. Which, but they, they make money. <laughs> well, to be to be fair, so 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 does Handy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know. He, he, well, he's he's actually one of the things we're including in the creative box is a, a, an Andy Sleep remix. So, um. uh, and, that, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me to, if he'd thrown in some Andy Sleep so, solos as well, just for good measure. <laughs> yeah, that I can't comment on. I'll have to ask Millet about that. Um, well, I I, I, yeah. I will I'll 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 speak to you um, uh, off air 
um about um yeah about some uh some some interesting developments anyway um <laughs> but um uh, uh look mate um i've got a load of questions for for you from um subscribers so can okay. we, that that's that seems like a really cool place to leave it for now um yeah. uh, but i've got a bunch of questions don't go anywhere but for now thank you very much mate awesome thanks hard and indeed miles did actually do some uh, some of those questions for patrons it was great um stayed for an extra half an hour all sorts of questions that you've ever wanted to ask anybody who works at a record label and is into metal and knows exactly everything that they're talking about and that was great fun and then all the uh, I, I basically yeah tons of interviews came in i don't know what happened but i ended up not getting this interview out as you know um so I did another interview to catch up with where we were, well, from the last one. Because basically, after that interview that you just heard, Miles um, and I had a, had, a, had a chat and we basically knocked about the... And we came up, I suggested that, you know, a podcast. And basically, anyway, what ended up was the Motorcast, the Motorhead podcast, which I now host, as you may know. So... Um, we thought we would have a, a catch-up and a little bit of a chat um, on what had happened since the last time that we'd, uh, that we'd done the interview. So, here is the second interview, this a lot more recent, in December, and um, we, yeah, we, we, we pick up kind of where we left off. So, here is part two. Hello, H. Merry uh, Christmas. Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks, yeah. I'm... Uh... This is that kind of bath time between Christmas and New Year, isn't it? But I'm kind of chilling and enjoying. I've got a glass of wine on the go. And, uh, yeah, I'm all good. How's it been for you? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of, um, it's sort of uh, diet Christmas, isn't it? It's like it's like diet Coke, basically. All of, the, all of the stuff that you want and that makes it good, that's bad for you, has been taken out and replaced with something slightly, but it's kind of the same thing but still a shitty version of the original yeah do you know what we we moved house about three weeks before christmas so kind of the novelty novelty of being in the gaff has not worn off yet so i'm kind of enjoying being indoors so uh, yeah so so be it and detoxing from work which is really nice that, that's that's lovely a load of emails yeah that's that's lovely though isn't it because it's it's um it, it's allowing you time to sort of bed into the new place and enjoy it and acclimatize yeah. to it yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, I think anyone that, I love my job, don't get me wrong, but um, in this industry, you sort of get towards massive fatigue at the end of the year, and that two weeks break with not waking up to a ton of emails every morning and all of that, it's, it's just the tonic you need to go. Oh, balls. I cut him off by accident there, folks, I'm just going to ring him back. Oh, luckily, he's calling me. Uh, that was me cutting you off there, mate. Uh, yeah, all right, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But um, and and good lord. Well, I, do you know what? I'm going to go straight in with um, a bit a bit of backslapping, really, because this I'm going to obviously tack this on to the interview that we did during the first lockdown, and yep. um, and we had an we had an offline. Uh, conversation after that, um, which which ended up with um, with us launching the Motorcast. Yes, indeed, yeah. Which is yeah, yeah. It was a nice little catalyst. It really got me thinking after our last last call, and I was like, yeah, 
overhead podcast and you're the man for the job, etc. And here we are. What are we in? Six episodes, seven episodes live now, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I mean, it's 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 just it's been it's been great fun to do, but it's amazing what comes out of just just having a chat. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, no, it's it's worked out brilliantly. I'm, I'm everybody unilaterally in the business is really going to be in gear, all loving it, and the you know, management are loving it, and the fans seem to be loving it. That's the, the key thing. Um, yeah, it's great. It's just I think part of part of um, my job is storytelling and also kind of trying to preserve those stories because for example um john jackson that you spoke to from jackson's studios bless him 86 years old yeah you know that story's never been told and could have been lost forever yeah absolutely and uh, and i really got a, i really got a sense of that at the time as i was recording yeah. it yeah so you know some of the stories have been told a few times and some i think we've managed to uncover some guests that had never really had a voice which I think is really crucial to to that storytelling and um, particularly the, the Jacksons you know uh, Sally and John were, were amazing and I, I love that Sally the story Sally told about the uh, filthy washing his car with um, what was it suntan lotion <laughs> yeah, I mean you just the, those those stories would have been lost forever <laughs> amazing amazing and um yeah, I'm I'm very happy with it and um yeah, you did a fantastic job. So, oh yeah, thanks mate. Big, I'm... big 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 pat on the back for you there, sir. I think it's um you know, it's been amazing. I think you your sort of easy presenting style and that got the best of the guests, you know, and it's it's just kinda of, and you're knowledgeable about it as well, you know, you need you need to be a fan of, of that music and the band to kinda of understand the, the the sort of point of quick questioning as it were, so to speak. So yeah. Oh, it was all good. Um and I will be I will be seriously drawing up forthcoming episodes when I get back next week it's something I definitely want to keep on well I, I, well, look that, thank you very much I really appreciate that and right back at you because obviously you know you persevered with it and, and got it out there but I, I don't I don't want this to turn into a back slapping session um, <laughs> but I and, and that's where this is going because I have a confession to make and my confession sure. is I've never really been a Motorhead fan and but uh, but I went to see uh, you know I saw him at Donington I saw him on the Orgasmatron uh, tour and I've never I've never really properly got it but that's been one of the benefits for me of doing the motorcast is that I had to kind of submerge my myself in that world to make to to make sure I came across as knowledgeable etc so it looks like it worked thank you um, no, absolutely but, I mean that's kind of you know I mean I work with some artists that I'm not so keen on or haven't been you know a massive fan of but you, to, to understand it you have to immerse yourself in it and that's the way to do it and you, you know, obviously you did that with Motorhead yeah exactly and, and and I've come out the other side with a newfound respect um, and and actually kind of like you know playing Motorhead in the house and stuff which is something that you know I, I, I wouldn't have done if yeah. I hadn't done the motorcast so you know it's it's a win-win win-win win-win-win yeah yeah totally I, mean, I think I'd like to think that, that you know people out in podcast land could sort of stumble upon it and enjoy it without being a fan of Motorhead because you know there's some great stories I think you know the episode with Stefan was particularly hilarious um I think all of them have been really good humoured all coming from different angles and I think that's the kind of whole point of the podcast I mean you're the guy you, you do them you know you, you taught me <laughs> <laughs> 
I've, ne- I've never taught anyone anything. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's been a huge learning curve personally because, you know, no one ever at BMP had done a podcast. Obviously, you're an old hand at it, but there was a different approach to it because we're some lumbering corporate machine and they had, like, you know, distributors and all this kind of stuff, and that was an upward learning curve of how to, even just the technical side of it, you know, and then the legal side of it and all that kind of thing that you know, we have to do. But yeah, it's been a huge learning curve, but I've learned a lot. And it's great because everyone keeps coming to me now going, how do you do this? How do you do that? And how much? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and it, but it's great, isn't it? Because ultimately, um, you know, you've you, I mean, I've I've like you said, I've been podcasting quite a while now, but you can always learn. There's always, you know, there's always things that you can uh, that you can develop, that you can do better, um, and and it's and the, you know, the motorcast has been a challenge because when I'm doing this, you know. Cunt, there you go. No rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know, for for yours, I'm I'm you know I'm very much aware that I am I'm a representative of the fans, but I'm a representative of the label, and I'm a and I'm kind of also a guardian of the you know Motorhead content, as it were. So yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, totally. I was I was in I was in danger of being professional. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think? I think what I think what I took away from us talking was it's two people having a conversation and you listening into that conversation. Yeah. And I think the essence of that is captured in in what you do and what you did with the motorcast, and that's why it's so enjoyable. And that's what uh, personally, I, that's what I think these things should be about. They're not people telling you anything or do, do you know what I mean, or like yeah. preaching at you. It's just you trying to kind of have a conversation with someone, you know, and 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 let these interesting stories kind of flow out. And, um, I'm, I'm sort of seen loads of things over Christmas that has inspired me about, oh, that person would be great to have on it, you know. I've got a, compiling a short list of guests, you know, and, and it's and it can, it, you know, we've obviously based it around the Ace of Spades, but we're moving into um, a 40th anniversary edition of No Sleep. You know, there's people we've interviewed for the No Sleep book that could be a good person to get on for that. You know, like, we got the singer from Trust. Remember well, that, Fred Spad? Yeah, social? yeah. Um, Trust supported Motorhead on one of the evenings that was recorded for No Sleep. So we, we tracked the singer down, had a chat with him, you know, Tank, people like that. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's loads more interesting guests down the way that I don't think have really been been interviewed in the past, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, we've, we've discussed as well, you know, people that, that, you know, we think who've got a love of Motorhead that we know in scenes and in bands who'd be yeah. you know, well up for coming on as well. Um, yeah. And I think that would be, you know, there, well, there's, there, there's, there's plenty of scope. There's plenty of scope. Yeah. I think I think my my vision for it, and um, I'm hopefully you're, you're on board with this, is that it's just going to run and run and run. I'd like it to run every fortnight ongoing, you know, because it's... We're twisting and turning across all different kinds of, of motorhead stuff. We've got a, another big year planned for activity in 20, 2021. You know, there's more anniversaries. And, and it's not just the sort of, you know, the Three Amigos stuff. You know, obviously, we're hitting some anniversaries of some of the key albums from the sort of Mickey and Phil era, you know, their voices I'd like to get on board. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. I mean, and I'd, yeah, no, I'm, I'm always up for doing more you know if, and like you say i think to keep it running that that is the way that you that you keep the listenership you know yeah. it's just they it, it, you've got to be regular and you've got to be there 
Yeah, yeah. I don't want it to kind of just have a shelf life and all that's over now. And I think, I think, you know, I think it's um, it's working. I mean, we could grow the audience, but that's just about chipping away at us really and keep keep plugging away. And I think word of mouth will travel because I mean, you know, you sent me a bit of feedback. I've seen great feedback on um, on the comments on their socials and stuff. And I think and there's even talk of um, I mean, obviously, one thing that does hold us back with with Motorhead's audiences is global, and not everyone speaks English. And um, there's talk about getting it translated to German. Wow. Quite how they're going to do it, I don't know. Good lord, that is uh, well. You know, I'm 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 available to um to uh, to do all <laughs> the interviews German. to do all the interviews again in German and English. How's <laughs> <laughs> he German? Is it good? Uh, well, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be charging a premium for my German lessons. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how they would do it, whether they would have someone kind of reading over the top of it or not. I don't, I don't really know how it's going to work, but apparently there's a company that translates them. But I this is what the, our international team are talking about, because, you, you know, we can see the kind of back-end stats, and it is all English-speaking countries. There's a few, like Germany and Sweden, that are kind of floating around lower down the table, but it is all sort of, you know, UK, US, Canada, Australia. Yeah. You know, which, I mean, it would be nice if... if if people, if, you know, if Motorhead fans in, in other in other um, speaking, a lot of language speaking countries can can enjoy it as well. Yeah, very much so. I mean, and I mean, like I said, it's just it, it, it's it's great that something that was just you know uh, uh, us just basically just you know chopping yeah. it up. I believe the kids say, and yeah. Um, yeah. and and you know something something really good and positive came out of it and um yeah i mean i've i've had some great feedback i mean i got a, a message on instagram only this morning somebody um somebody just you know thank thanking me for doing it for doing it and i'm like look you 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 don't need to thank me it's an absolute pleasure <laughs> oh that's great i mean i i know we were, we were struggling with kind of driving feedback and and it's a difficult thing to manage through Motorhead's kind of team and that, but I'm glad that it's still team back and we found all those little tricks about how to tag the presenter in in your podcast and whatnot, you know, but it's, yeah. it's nice to hear that feedback is coming back to you personally. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's great. And, um, and I, you know, I keep an eye on the, um, on the Motorhead socials as well. And, um, and um, it's, it's just all, it's all been, you know, really, really positive. And, uh, and I've continued to, you know, to, um, uh, interact with quite a few of the people I've interviewed as well. You know, I've ended up they've ended up in my phone book and you know yeah. w- WhatsApping and emailing and stuff like that, and which is which is which is really good. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I mean, I noticed that like Danny from Weapon. I think his his, his episodes up at the moment. He's been really plugging it um, through his own social media and through the band's social media. He's quite proud to be on it. I think part of it as well. You know. I Again, that was a learning curve as to how to how to engage fans to go back and actually listen to it, you know. So, for example, through Motorhead's archive, we managed to find some photographs of Weapon on stage at Hammersmith Odeon in 1980, and it must have been the last night of the tour, and there's Filthy and, and um, Lemmy with kind of silly hats on with brooms sweeping up around the band as they're performing, you know. And uh, those are the sort of things that kind of the fans are like, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. And they'll, they'll engage with it, you know, that's bringing people into the podcast. It's, it's, that's been part of my job is to, to spread the word, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, just sitting there on all those platforms isn't going to, people aren't going to listen to itself, you know what I mean? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And al- and also, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, did you notice that there is a, there's a, po- there's a podcast out there called The V Motorcast? 
Um, I think so. Yeah, but it's about cars, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's cars, and it seems it seems to be based in Italy. Right. Okay. Oh, well, we've not had any copyright infringement notices yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and funnily enough, um, I'll, I'll I'll tell you afterwards about um, about an approach I had about the uh, about the motorcast this morning as well. But um, that's 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 for um, that's for just you and I. Um, okay. And speaking speaking of um, speaking of work as we were mm. earlier, because that's enough backslapping for now. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, you've been you've been busy putting all this this creator box set together. Uh, yeah, the creator box set. Yeah, that's um, that's been a bit of a labour of love, but it's, it's, you know what? I'm, I'm over the moon at how it's come out. It's incredible. The the journey started back because you know we did two series of creator reissues. We kind of did these ultimate reissues of all the noise era records. Yeah, I'm from... still I'm still missing um, Pleasure to Kill from that. Oh, I must order you one. <laughs> uh, uh, cheers, mate. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, so we did this kind of ultimate edition heavily with um, Millo's involvement. And, you know, they, they hadn't been out in the market for a quite a while and they were remastered and fancy stuff. But one of the main criticisms that came out of it was the, the slight alteration to the artwork. Um, you know, purists... Yeah. I don't blame them. A lot of purist fans were like, "What have you done to the artwork?" You know, and it wasn't it wasn't a company decision. It was it was sort of Millet and his art team. And I remember him coming back because had I think the first set had remastered, kind of written blood at the bottom. And he came back to us afterwards and says, "Yeah, that that fans didn't like that." And we we're like, "Yeah, it's a bit of a shame." So the kind of next set, we kept the sort of similar identity of the sleeve, but didn't put the remastered word on the front. Um, but he was always like, you know we should do a box set of all this stuff, you know. I was like, okay, well, let's just take our time over it and let these other records breathe a bit, you know. And so it was just trying to kind of get together a concept and, and, and what you could extra put in it, you know, because ultimately there's a lot of people who go, oh, I've just bought all of these, you know, expanded editions of them, and they go, well, okay, well, you know, there's obviously a, there's a finite amount of mega creative fans that are going to rush to buy a box set of this kind, but it's, it's finding extra extra content so uh, sort of I don't know, a year later Millet got in touch saying I've just been given this massive box of VHS tapes and there's loads of kind of bootleg footage of us in concert from the 80s you know we could do something with this and I'm like okay so we started kind of planning a box and we're like okay well let's what do we center it around we sent it around the six noise records so it'd be from endless pain to renewal and the idea was that we totally reproduce the originals, original artwork, untouched, and all with the original inner bags, which some versions had and some versions didn't, you know, so we make them all nice and then use the masters we did in 2017, 2018, because they were far superior to the originals, and then make them all some nice kind of splatter vinyls. But as kind of extra, extra content, we put this DVD together, which is kind of like a little mini... I don't know, you can't really call it a documentary, but it's just like bits of live footage, um, there's some interview footage and stuff about an hour long from, from the creator's vaults. And it's some of this unseen live stuff from them. Some of it's from TV, and some of it's been filmed kind of on VHS camcorder, I guess, probably, which is kind of fun. And then he came in and was like, well, we've got a bunch of kind of off-the-desk recordings as well. Like, All right, some live stuff. So we had those mastered and put on the DVD as well. And then he came back to us and said, oh, actually, 
Do you remember we played that gig in East Berlin and it got released as a VHS tape and I think it was used as bonus material on one of the maybe terrible certainty. Yeah, it was. Or extreme. Yeah. And then and he came and said, Do you know that Andy Sneak remixed that? I'm like, Really? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, why don't you put that on as well? Uh, so I emailed Andy Sneak. Oh yeah, here it is. And so yeah, so we compiled it. the D V D's kind of like the key element of it, of the unreleased material, of which there is a fair amount. There's like two concerts the film and this Andy Sneap remix of the uh, East Berlin set. And then we, one of the, I, I'm a toy collector, right? So I collect music toys. I've got tons of them. And I always wanted to do a figure of some sort. And I was bouncing the idea around of like, you know, their creator demon guy who's called Violent Mind. Yeah. Like, it makes like a great figure from that. And, um, of course, it comes in with problems with licensing, you know, for certain uses because creators sold their merch rights to a company and you know you'd have to go through all of that i'm like okay well how can i simplify this and i went looking at usb sticks and these places in china can make these amazing kind of like it's, it's not rubber but it's it's kind of a bendy plastic and i just wrote to one of these companies saying that here's a picture i'm looking to make one of these and they sent this sample back in the post and i was like absolutely blown away by it and it's a proper figure it's about i don't know five inches tall of the demon guy it can stand up but you pull him in half and it's got a usb in it <laughs> <clears throat> so what we did is we put the entire noise discography on it so all the extra bonus stuff from the reissues some other tracks from here there and everywhere from comps and some b-sides because we'd done some record store day picture discs and stuff like that so everything on one usb and it's a little demon fella that's brilliant um, yeah and it's really cool and then, and then we did a reproduction of the end of the world demo cassette. Right. So it's yeah, you know, for intents and purposes, it looks like the original demo, even down to the labels on the on the cassette. We tracked down an original copy and copied the the labels and everything. And that all comes in this really mad kind of fitment that sits inside the box. So the concept of the box, I was like, oh, what can we do that's fun? Because you know, just a box is a box, but how can you make it kind of different? So we, we call the thing under the guillotine, and the box is basically, the bottom half of the box is a chopping block, and the top half of it is a slanting metal guillotine lid. It's not solid metal, but it's kind of foil. So it's when you pull it up, it leaves a big bloody stripe. <laughs> it's fucking bonkers. And so we kept the concept on throughout the whole box of, like, torture and medieval torture and stuff like that so the fitment that all these things sit in looks like you open it and it looks like some horrible thing and if you take the pieces out there's like a claw in it and a rat and all this stuff i can't really describe it you have to see it <laughs> yeah you, you can't really describe it no <laughs> yeah i remember telling creators manager on the phone i've got this idea and it's going to be a guillotine thing and he's like what <laughs> like yeah this is this is the idea but it looks it's bonkers it's really bonkers but it looks great. I'm, I'm very excited for people to see it and, uh, and you know, get some feedback on it because it's not out until February. But we only literally had to delivery of it about a week before Christmas. You see, but, but this is the interesting part as well because the thing is, when people see that, they just go, "Oh, look, you've seen what's coming out," and you know, you don't you don't realise all of the all of the the moving parts behind that thing ending up in front of you. Like, for instance, you know contacting a company in China to make a USB stick out of, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, they, kind they, of bizarre. They, they, get quite, 
they do get quite complex. I mean, even down to, I mean, the, we've got a book in it, and it's it's kind of some quotes from Millet and some song lyrics and stuff, and it's kind of made to look like a, 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 a kind of old book, you know, like a, a tome or something like that that, you know, you would get in those medieval times. But it's got loads of unseen photography, so we, we tracked down some photographers from that era and got a load of bunch of live and posed photos that no one's seen before. And it, yeah, getting the content together, it, I think probably that took, I started working on that at the back end of 2018, 2019, sorry. Yeah, it's been over a year. Wow. Just kind of chipping away. Obviously, we got COVID got in the way. Um, but yeah, we've been sort of chipping away at it piece by piece. It's It's something, you know, and I was very, very conscious that, you know, you have to respect the fans, you know, if, if you put in a box set out and you can't be sending people the same shit over and over again and there's going to be an element of people go, oh, I've got those records and that's fine, it's not for you then, you know, but you've got to put something else in it that people really want, you know, and the mad collectors will love the fact that they get a demo, a reproduction of the demo tape and the, the DVD with all this extra stuff and the little fella, you know, the little, the little figure. Yeah, and I think that's what makes that's what makes all the difference. Um, yeah. Ultimately, people who can't afford it and want it will complain loudest, which is <laughs> which is great, you know, which is, which is great. But ultimately, yeah, you've got to create something that that uh, well from the fan perspective, which is which is without you know um, completely blowing smoke up your ass is what is where you're really good. You know, you know, you seem to have a really good feel for what fans want because ultimately you're a fan. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I've always, even when I was doing dry heave, you know, it was like, oh, I want to put stuff out that I would buy. You know, so there's no sort of cutting corners. And, you know, a box set is quite a, a, a you know, we have to do P&Ls for all these products, you know, and you have to make them work in a P&L. So you've got a unit cost that can't go above X, you know, blah, 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 you know. And so you, you drill down into it, but I'm trying not to skimp on these things. And, and you know, I'm, this isn't a solo a solo effort either. One of the guys in our design team, Joe, is a, a mad creative fan as well. And, I, you know, his artwork that he made is incredible. It's, you know, the concept of it. He he took my idea and visualised it, you know. Yeah. And it's, we're lucky to have a team of people like that. I mean, this fitment, I, I can't describe it. It's kind of like, so you've got the box, you lift the lid off the box, you've got the LPs and you've got the book, and then you've got this thing that could be mistaken for a book, and it's like a cardboard thing, and it kind of pulls out, and it opens a flap at the front, and it's got these three recesses in it, and this is where the DVD sits and the cassette and the um, the figure. But if you take them out, there's print underneath them. Oh, right. So there's, little, there's little things underneath, you know, so it's supposed to look like a, a thing, you open it, and it's kind of like... A, a kit you'd keep medieval torture implements in, you know, <laughs> it's bonkers. <laughs> um, I, I've got to say, Miles, have you thought of doing a creator podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that probably would have to be in German. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, but that's, that's, I mean, that is a, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal box set. Just hearing you talk about it, it it's, yeah. you know, I, I can't wait to see it. And also, you're right about the team. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for just one second, trying to trying to put the word out to to find a graphic designer who is also bang into creator? Yeah. You know yeah. what does I mean, that recruitment drive look like? <laughs> 
Well, you know what, though? I mean, with, with the, um, the reissues we'd previously done, we worked with um, a couple of guys that work a lot with Creator. So they kind of understood the aesthetic and that, but we kind of decided in turn this time, because we were only replicating the original album, so all we need to do is the box, really. So we kind of threw the ideas out. To, so what we do is my, you know, I came up with the concepts that I discussed with the management who obviously filtered that back to Millet. And then, you know, you need to visualize that. So our guys do some mock-ups and they do these like PDF documents of like um, what it might look like. And you send that off and go, here we go, this is our idea. And they go, and usually you present them with two or three different ideas. But I like that one or I don't like any of them, whatever. So that was kind of how the process works, you know. So you, you pitch this pitch them to them with these documents and then because you don't just make it and they go oh, I don't like it you know it's a consultative process <laughs> but we were given pretty much autonomy with it which was great and, um, and that's what and that's what you want isn't it you you what you want you you've got to have some kind of creative freedom for want of a better phrase yeah yeah I think so I mean sometimes you know they have a you know, an artist will have a thing like, this is what I want on the front or whatever. But quite a lot of it is a suggestive process. Some some, some are more creative than others. And I think Millet at the moment is in the middle of writing a new album. So his focus is on that. So he just wants, you know, so it was easier for us to present him ideas for his kind of approval uh, um, rather than going, what do you want? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm rock and songwriting at the moment. My head's not in that space, you know. So that's kind of where it works. Um, he hasn't seen the copy yet, so we're hoping to sort of ship him one and get an unboxing video on it, where kind of film the reaction of it, so to speak, which I look forward to <clears throat> going live on social channels at some point in the future. Yeah, no, that will be that will be awesome. Um, yeah. I, and, and fingers crossed, I look forward to unboxing one myself. It sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> for you i'm sure oh god this i'm I'm so glad i got you back on um (laughs) (laughs) it's been it's been worth it for the cd though i'm afraid uh don't don't worry about that i'm i'm fully vinyled up and you know oh really oh yeah i'm about to bring your record player did he uh no no i've i I bought a turntable um two or three years ago okay um and it was um yeah it was it was just bizarre i i I was I was round. Um, my then girlfriend um, had got her turntable working again, and I was I was helping fix it, and then uh, and then put a record on and I put fresh fruit for rotting vegetables on, and just that action of taking the the album out the sleeve and putting it on the turntable and playing it, and I was like, it's about twenty five years since I've done that, and it feels so familiar and so good. Yeah. That I I just I thought I want I think I want a turntable, so uh, so now I have one. Yeah, and uh, good for you, good for you. You know, but but I uh, but what I haven't done is gone out and bought a shitload of vinyl. What I've done is been really selective with what I wanted to get, and uh, and and I've kind of treat you know basically only the very best albums get bought on vinyl. Right. Okay. You know. Yeah. I mean, I. I've been buying a lot of vinyl, but that's locked down for you. You know, um, <laughs> no, but interestingly enough, I mean, you know, and this is probably not music to your ears because you're in a touring band, but, you know, um, the fan demographic, the people that, so I think there's a kind of core of fans that spend their money on, you know, lots of various different factions of, of their favourite bands. And when you take away live music and they've got more disposable income for that, so 
record sales are up 30% at the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely nuts. Because, you know, lockdown kicked in and as a business, everyone was like, shit, what do we do? Do we even, this is probably what, what happened with Creator because Creator was supposed to come out this year. But everything got shunted back because basically we put our release schedule on hold for three months, not knowing if there was retail open because at the time Amazon were only taking essential items. Um, of course, High Street was closed, da da da. And then it, and then it turned out that things were on the incline because people were just at home going, well, I'm not going out, so I'll buy that box set. Thank you very much, you know. So yeah. that will probably, you know, when the world is out of this shitstorm, that will level off, no doubt, and people will be rushing out, going buying gig tickets, and good for them, you know, support these artists because that's where they make their money most of them. Yeah, and do you know what? It's it's, but it, again, it's one of those unintended consequences, isn't it? It's like no matter how bad something is, there will always mm. be a positive effect somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know people think I know greedy record labels, but it was just you know it was just something that happened. We've noticed everything. Like you know, we thought streaming would be the one that would go up because obviously that's kind of the biggest consumer of music, but physical sales have rocketed, which is encouraging to see. I mean, I'm you know a huge vinyl fan, so um, its it sales allows me to sort of dig further into our archive and make more and more outrageous box sets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the thing is, I'm you know physical physical products. I know I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are buyers of physical products and lovers and lovers of physical product and um and the fact that those sales are up and let's face it that's where labels and bands make their mo- make most of their money when it comes to album sales so yeah. the fact that physical has has you know come out of this so strong is 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 a positive for everybody really yeah exactly i mean you know the fact that it, it, I mean, you know, us doing a, a box set creator, it's not going to replace their live income, but it's going to go some way to help contribute to their, you know, diminished uh, returns that they have. So, you know, it's helping everybody. Yeah. Everybody wins out of it, you know. So, it's yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I'm all for it. And, I, and it's nice to see that, you know, I mean, obviously Amazon's one of the big ones, but it's nice to see a lot of people buying direct from, from indie retail as well, you know. I think a lot of the... Shops like people like their banquet in Kingston has really got their um, got their their store laid out such so well that they've you know I don't think they've ever been busier and there's a lot of people doing that kind of thing mail order you know yeah yeah and um, well I was I was out buying physical product from my local HMV a few days ago um, uh, and um, you know well you know got me Christmas money from Santa. Yeah, got yeah, got a record token for W. H. Smiths, <laughs> and they said, uh, "What are you doing here? We don't sell music anymore." Um, but um, online, weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah, it's, I fucking I, I don't understand retail anymore. It's all it's, no, okay. it's, it's all going time, really it? mad. Um, but um, so, uh, who do you think? Seriously, uh, any ideas in the future for for box sets? Any other any other bands that are that are oh, going to yeah, get yeah. the treatment? Got, yeah, yeah, I've got two, two. Well, one definitely for next year, possibly two. Um, doing something with Sepultura. Ah, like uh, my, like myself. Yes, yes, you've been doing stuff with uh, Andreas, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, just. What a what an easy band to deal with, you know. Yeah, Ev- everybody in the organisation is as cool as the people in the band. That's nice to hear. Yeah, I've just sort of it's 
it's a, a deal that we did not long before Christmas, so we kind of established what we're going to do, and, but I haven't really got my teeth into it yet, so that's something we start next week when we get back. So um, uh, that's nice to hear that they're, they're an easy people to work with because uh, that always helps. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you know, the series of podcasts I did on the making of the album were 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 really great fun and and certainly something to think about for uh you know future releases <laughs> um what, I, what, what capacity were you doing it then were you worked on were you doing they were inter- you were interviewing for your own podcast or well yeah this is something for them well basically what happened was um a friend of mine um who has access to quite a lot of you know people in the scene um, got me an interview with Derek Green, and um, and it was great fun. We you know, got on really well, and um, and I said to I said to Derek, "Hey, how about you know we do you know I delay this podcast release and we do it you know we do it as a as an exclusive for Sepulchre." And he was like, "Yeah, that's a great idea." And then I said to and then my, my, my friend messaged me and said, well, if you've done Derek, do you want me to see if I can get Andreas for you? And I was like, yeah, great. And Andreas came straight back and said, yes. So I did the interview with Andreas and said about the, you know, using his content for Sepulchre. And he was like, yeah, great. I mean, we had a really good chat. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I really enjoyed doing this and it'd be great for everyone to hear it. And it's like, OK, cool. Well, I, you know, if I can help give you content for you know for your sepulchre that's great and it benefits me as well it's a win-win all round um and the weird thing is between derek and andreas me between me interviewing them i got an email from jens bogren from to my personal email address because um i had dealings with him because he mastered our album the age of entitlement and it was an email. It was it was a it was a marketing email, but I just emailed it. I just emailed him back and went, "Look, dude, you know, nice to hear from you. Um, I've done these two interviews. Do you want to be? You know, do you, I'd like to get you in as well. And and from you know a, an interview from behind the desk point of view. And he was like, "Yeah, cool. Let's do that." So it just became a trilogy all of a sudden. Okay. And um and it was and it was really really great fun to to do. They've been really cool to work with. Um, and and f- do you know what I've just realised as well when you were talking about creator earlier? Um, uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but I put a um, Christmas podcast out part two um, yesterday, which is an interview with Randy Burns. Yes, yes, I did see that come by. Yeah, Randy Burns has suddenly resurfaced, hasn't he, after um, many years in the wilderness and is back producing again, from what I understand. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, we, well, um, ex- we we had quite a chat about extreme aggressions, actually. Uh, uh, yeah. Probably their finest hour, really, in terms of production. Though. I, I, I'm, I, it, that the production on that album for me is just it was a game changer because it was like yeah. well, it still sounds like Creator, and it, uh, but it just and it's not as dirty, but it's not clean either. It's 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 yeah. you know it's still. It, it, it cleaned them up, but it didn't polish them. It was an interesting one. That didn't he do Comrade Souls as well, or did I imagine? Yeah, that? no, he did that as well. Yeah. yeah, and then they did that dreadful thing with they did renewal with the Morris Sound. Well, yeah, well, kind of, well yeah, industrial was experimenting. Yeah, industrial was kicking in at that point, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, they were t- you know that was particularly extreme aggression. I, I love the drum sound on it, but yeah, it was it was kind of clean and polished because that you know that even extreme uh, terrible certainty had a nice tone about it 
but it, it lacked the heaviness that, that he managed to bring out with extreme aggression, I think. Yeah, it was good to hear he's back. I mean, are you going to work with him? Well, if he does mates rates, maybe. <laughs> but, um, he's not going to come in top tier, is he? He's been gone for like, what, 25 years? Well, well, yeah, but to be, well, to be honest, the answer will be no. Because um, ultimately, to fly Acid Rain out to the States to record an yeah. album, well, that would be the entire budget gone. Yeah, so. find him in. Yeah, we. I suppose we could, but that would that would probably flying him in and putting him up would probably also take up yeah. the entire budget. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so we, we've we've half a dozen, the other. yeah we've got enough budget for Randy Burns to have a a, a, a month long holiday in the UK, but not to actually record an album. <laughs> you got a spare room? Put him up. You know, take him to get my local studio. Yeah, this is what you've missed, isn't it, Randy? Eh? Staying in, staying in my <laughs> spare room. Pounds. Yeah. You can sleep on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Get him down your Tesco's local every day to buy himself a pre-packed yeah. sandwich. Job sorted. Yeah, absolutely. I say, yeah, KFC for lunch, all right? Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's good to hear he's back and uh, he's, um, he's going to get involved again. But, yeah, um, interesting. Interesting. but, but yeah, yeah, speaking of the, the Sepultura stuff, um, uh, yeah, it was just, it, I mean... It was great because it, it's without giving too much away because this podcast will come out afterwards. But Quadra is actually my album of the year, um, so it all worked. It all sort of just came together beautifully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I must listen to it. I, I don't own it on vinyl. I don't tend to play it, but I, I might I might uh, go and pick a copy out because I've heard repeatedly from several people that well, not several people, but it's a big voice that is. Um, it's a return to form and one of the best things I've ever done. Interestingly enough, it came out in um, Brazil on BMG. Well, I, you've got access. I mean, for for, for me, for me, it's it sits between. It's to me, it sounds like it could have come out between Chaos AD and Roots. Okay, interesting. So it, it's not. It's, it's not as you know. It's quite not a as... retro sound to it then. Um. Uh, not so much sound, but feel. Not the right word. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the one yeah. thing is, there is so much music on it. I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, at times, mm. Andreas is trading solos with himself, and he's and he's trading solos for, um, on you know from guitar, from acoustic guitar, sitar, acoustic guitar, sitar. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I mean, I know there's a, quite a few people might hear that and go, hmm. I don't like the sound of that, but believe me, it fucking works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they were always one to experiment. I think even going down to indigenous instruments way back when, you know, um, you've, you've got to sit, you know, you have to check in with it and get in, get involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I might, I might, I've, I've seen it. I've, I might go and uh, purchase a copy when I get off this call. Someone gave me an Amazon voucher. Oh well, well there I you go. Spend it wisely and. Uh, get a copy I think that should be worth doing considering I'm working with him as well uh, yeah um, it, might, it might, might be an idea yeah. <laughs> yeah. have you got a like, album uh. <laughs> well, it's not they... BMG uh. <laughs> uh, yeah 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 uh, is it I mean of, yes of course it is <laughs> I've got another, another one in the pipeline as well that, that's going to be fun that I'm particularly looking forward to is Overkill oh wow um, it's still in the kind of development stages, but it will be happening. And I, I think there's a, we're, we're doing a deal um, where 
could be getting quite a lot more of this stuff coming in, which is specific and exciting. There's talk of stuff with Soulfly, possibly Machine Head, um, but Overkill will be the sort of the first one. So, and it will be it'll be the early Megaforce years, which is what I fucking love. Yeah, so you're going to be doing you're going to be doing the Feel the Fire and and, and I don't, all that. Well, actually, I say Megaforce. I think it's um, what was it? Warner Atlantic, the Atlantic stuff. Right, are you, so you're going to be doing Taking Over? I sincerely hope so. It's me too, because that is my, still to this day, is my favourite Overkill album. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. It's a fucking banger. I remember seeing them supporting Halloween back in yeah. 87. I saw them the night before you saw them. I saw them up at Manchester Apollo. There you go. They were fucking great. Oh, they were great. And and the thing is, I I, I had Bobby, Bobby Gustafsson came on the Acid Rain page for one of our Saturday night shindigs. Oh, yeah. And he was an absolute blast. We had such a laugh because he's so candid about, like, you know, uh, his feelings about Overkill, basically. Yeah. Um, and um, and he was just just a top man. And we, and we we finished we finished the thing, and then we carried on messaging like for another few hours, just like having a bit of a giggle. Yeah. Um, and I I just thought, you know what, I'm I'm sticking I'm sticking taking over on. And I looked everywhere and I thought, Howard, you do not have a copy of it. I was ashamed of myself. <laughs> so um so I I immediately uh, went on YouTube and I found it, stuck it on, and I'm like, is there a better is there a better opening two tracks to an album? Deny the cross, straight yeah. into wrecking crew. You are kidding know, me. Right. <laughs> it's a banger. We are the wrecking crew. Yeah, I mean, but it's two songs that it's two songs that can easily sit in the set list today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they still play them both. I'm, I kind of sworn I saw that. I know they the wrecking crew, or is it Denial Cross? I don't know. I had seen them in recent years. I'm sure I heard one, if not both. I went to one of the. I got invited to one of these things. You know when the um, the Hundred Club got saved by Converse. Oh yeah, and they were sticking in a, a load of bands down there, kind of, I don't know, I think like Blur played down there. And there was one night where it was overkill at the 100 Club. And I got invited to that and it was fucking amazing because it was kind of a pretty old school set. Yeah, it was great seeing him in such a small club. And I bet Bo- and I, I bet Bobby was uh, the consummate brilliant front man in that tiny capacity venue that he is in a major, in a major hall. Yeah, oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, the performance didn't didn't sort of deviate from what they do, you know, because they they're just always great, aren't they? Overkill. Yeah. I mean, they're one of the few. I think you know. Let's let's not be said, and, I, and I'm a bit sad about it, but you know, thrash metal. It kind of suffers with age a little bit. Some of it, I think, and that's you know, it's not easy music to play. You know, you're in a thrash metal band. Yeah. And um, you know, particularly I think the drummers and. You know, they don't run around like they used to, and da di da di da. You know, that's just age. But I think Overkill were one of the ones that still cut it for me. They're still giving it their all, and and still exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, I I completely agree with that. And I mean, Bobby is still one of, if not the best frontman of a thrash band out there. I mean, he's he's just got so much um, jabber on him. I mean, he's, he, uh, I, I went, I saw, last time I saw them, it was supporting the Cavaliera conspiracy. And, um, and I, I, you know, I went down, did me interview with Bobby and all the rest of it. And then, um, I had a friend with me. Um, and the reason I, she'd come all the way down from Stoke and she was desperate to see the Cavaliera conspiracy do roots. 
um, yeah. which is her favourite Sepultura album. And Overkill opened, and then uh, Max and Igor played. And as we walked out, um, I was like, right, so you enjoyed that? And she was like, oh, it was brilliant. She goes, but without a doubt, Overkill took the show. Really? And she, and she, she, she didn't know Overkill, didn't know any of the songs, never seen right. them live, never heard them before. And, I mean, probably been in a place where they've been playing, but not heard them. Um, yeah. and, um, and she was like, yeah. Absolutely blew them away. Um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, you know, they've been consistently touring. I think, you know, the, the Cavaliers have been doing different stuff, haven't they? Obviously, Max has been doing Soulfly quite a bit. Eagles been DJing, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, and um, and moved to Bristol, I think. I, no, do you know what? I think he lives in Kentish Town. Well, I, I he did when I interviewed him. He lived in North London, and he's, uh, he's got a season ticket at the Emirates. He's a gooner. Um, right. And then somebody else mentioned that he that he's living in Bristol now. So I don't know. To be honest, I've got his phone number. I should probably text him and find <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, well, I think some of the stuff I'm working in straddles that part where he was still a member of Sepultura. Um, right. So it's it's kind of the early Derek years. Yeah. I think there was a, there was like a Max years box set. So this is kind of the next chapter. So do you go, um, will you be going up as far as stuff like Rawback? Yes. Yeah, just beyond that. Which, um, um, which, in case you weren't aware of that either, Rawback is a cracking album. Again, I hadn't listened to it in a very long time. This, this just shows the sad state of these record labels because I think all that stuff came out on STV. Um, and by all accounts, well, STV went bankrupt, didn't it? Yeah. A few years ago. Yeah. And BMG bought its back catalogue um, to kind of prop it up. And so lots of this stuff kind of reverted to us about a year ago, but certain artists, what they did was they gave them a clause, because obviously not every artist signed up for having their catalogue carried over to another company, and if, you know, if the band wanted their stuff back, they could. So I think Sepultura's stuff all reverted to the band, and then we've done a new deal, and the stuff's coming in. And so, but the, all the parts, there's no parts, there's no tapes, there's no artwork, no nothing. So this is part of the, part of the journey's sort of, Rebuilding this stuff from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. And thankfully, we've got you know quite an amazing. The same with Creator. You know, I mean, the Noise catalogue was an utter mess. If you can find anything in it, you're lucky. But there's nothing for Creator. Absolutely nothing. So it was sometimes buying a really expensive copy off Discogs that had an inner bag and a poster and all that kind of stuff. You know, so that you can rescan them at high spec and get our designers to touch them all up and restore them, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's. You know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of restoration goes into it. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what I was amazed with with our when we released our vinyl um, when we did all the the reissues was just yeah. the way that the way they'd managed to basically redo the art, but we they redid the art to make it basically look exactly the same as it did back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, some labels will do it on the cheap, and they'll just sort of scan them, and they all look washed out, faded. But I think you know. I'm a bit of a perfectionist like that, so you've got to have it looking as, as, as similar, if not as exact as what it, what it was, you know. But then part of the part of the problem, and this is an interesting one, is that when you start straying into the era where vinyl was being phased out, and some of these albums only re- received a CD release, scanning a CD up and blowing it up to the size of an LP, that's not very easy. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it, 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 there's there's well trying to recreate all of these things. Well, there was the old Music for Nations fire, wasn't there? Um, and um, so when Music for Nations was still going, I think they basically all artwork for all albums went up in smoke. But I'm yeah. I'm trying to remember if it was a if it was a if it was a fire or if it was actually a, a kind of like you know a clear out or so I can't remember exactly and but I you know what it just rings a bell and wasn't yeah. people pulling out like master tapes from a skip or something like that in yeah. the street yeah we've we've both heard this from somebody haven't we <laughs> yeah yeah I seem to remember yeah that they were clearing out an office and trying like you know four inch masters in, in a in a skip. I well look. I know somebody. I know somebody actually who will have the answers to this, and I know somebody that I can actually get on the podcast who used to work for Music for Nations, and um, <laughs> I, and I can or deny if that's true. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they won't give a shit now anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, here's an interesting thing because I mean, so com- here's a, here's a story because companies, you know, it's like Pac Man, isn't it? One company buys another, you know, and then they yeah. buy another and they buy another, and ultimately. It ends up with a major. That's the root, you know. <clears throat> and so Music for Nations now is a subsidiary of Sony, isn't it? Yes. So where did it, who did who bought it after it was sold, like from your era, for example? Well, didn't you? You know, you know the root. I mean, obviously I do, yeah. Rights to your albums back, but you could probably trace the masters. Some way, do you know what I mean? Well, I tr- well, funnily enough, when we went to, um, I was approached by Lost and Found um, Records. I think it was about 2012, something like that. Um, and yeah. I was approached by them. He wanted to do basically reissue them and, and get them remastered. Um, and that's how they ended up being remastered. And um, I approached. I think it was well, Sony and BMG used to be the same company, didn't they? They were, yes. Well, they were, I think, they joined forces, I want to say, in the 90s. Yeah. And then split in the beginning of the 2000s. BMG withdrew from the market completely. Yeah. And then started up afresh, I don't know, a decade later. Yeah. Well, what happened was BMG, I think, bought Music for Nations. And then BMG got bought by Sony and it became Sony BMG. And well, it wasn't. A, they didn't get bought. It was a merger. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, when it was Sony BMG, I contacted um, the archives department, and right. I spoke to the head of archives and said, "Look, you know, this is what I'm looking for." And he goes, "What label were you on?" And I said, "Under one flag." And he was like, "And what company was that?" I said, "Well, it was an imprint of Music for Nations," and mm. and I heard this sound. <sighs> <laughs> And and he said, look, I will have a look, but we've got very little. What there is isn't labelled. Um, we've only got piecemeal bits and pieces. I'll be very surprised if we've got any of your masters. I will have a look. Give me a call in two weeks. Yeah. So two weeks went by. I rang him up and he said, uh, he said, yeah, sorry. I've looked everywhere, but we haven't got anything of yours. Right. So that's why. So then, I basically had to send an original copy of the CD. Yeah. So, and and uh, it was remastered from the CD. I mean, it happens. It happens when a company's sold and just the the masters aren't passed over. It's not unusual. 
from what I've learned. Yeah, well, it's I've... interesting what... I, I, sorry, I, yeah, I think I think there is people. I, I have heard stories of people who have got master tapes of albums in their houses. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's there's people that I know. Someone who's kind of a, a consultant for us, and he's got this massive network of people, and he tracks stuff down. I mean, he's done a recent Thin Lizzy thing and found a master tape under someone's bed. You know, via word of mouth. Oh, someone has got one under his bed. Pull it out, see what it is. You know, bloody hell. That kind of thing, and you turn up some sort of pot of gold. I mean, you know, there is stuff still out there. That's kind of part of the journey as well. I mean, there's stuff turns up in our archives that's badly labelled or whatever, you know, that's been passed around or not put in back in the right spot. Stuff does turn up, and then you get random things that that turn up. Um, here's an, another interesting story about music for nations. Um, so you know, like Venom, we have the neat catalogue. Yeah. You know, when Kronos left the band, they did about three albums on Music for Nations with Tony Dolan on yeah. vocals. First one being Primeval. Um, Tony got in touch with us, I don't know, September, October. Oh, you've got these three Venom albums that are ours. Oh, I'd like to license them from you. And everyone's going, oh, I don't think that's, I don't know, mate. Not, not us. Oh, you definitely have. So and so said so. So we speak to our legal department who went back in some dusty old box and lo and behold, someone had done a deal with Sanctuary that we bought from Universal. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, turns out, yeah, we have these Venom Studio albums plus a bunch of other stuff. And there's an album in amongst it. This will, this will be of interest to you. A tribute to Venom, right? Uh-huh. And all these tribute albums are a bit cobblers, but this has got the likes of Creator and Voivod and stuff like that on it. I've never heard it. It's been deleted for God knows how long, so I'm going to dig that out. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there might be some... It's basically... I think it was done in the sort of early 90s. Yeah. But it was like a bunch of great trash bands all doing their covers of their favourite Venom songs. I didn't even know this thing existed. Oh, wow. So, well, that's awesome. And and it's also a great place to leave it. I've got some questions from subscribers, so don't go anywhere. But um, for the main interview, thank you so much, mate. That's been awesome. No, 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 no. It's a pleasure as always. And that is your interview done and dusted. We are now over two hours. Hey, this is like go. This is like back in the day when I used to put those monthly three-hour podcasts out. Jesus, what was I doing? What I thought was right at the time. There you go. Another reason why hindsight is bollocks. So anyway, um, I hope you've been, I hope you've enjoyed that. If you haven't, what the fuck are you doing still here? Yeah, you didn't enjoy that, and you've listened for two hours and ten minutes. At what point do you fucking switch off? Hey, eh? instead of maybe abusing people, it might be an idea to say thank you. Thanks for listening. You are exactly who I'm looking for. Yes, you. No, don't look around. Don't look at anybody else. Not them over there. Not them over... No, you. Yes, you. You. You are who I'm looking for. And what I'm looking for from you is to follow Talking Bollocks on Twitter, follow Talking Bollocks on Instagram, follow Talking Bollocks on Facebook, sign up at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith, or alternatively, just share the podcast. Tell everybody you like it. Tell everybody you love it. Tell everybody there's hundreds of them. And that would be great. That is all I ask. My dear, dear, lovely bollockers, that is all I ask from you. So, um, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. I do enjoy immensely doing this. That's probably, 
That's, that doesn't sound quite right, does it? There's like the right words, but in the wrong order. I, I immensely enjoy doing this. You see that? There you go. I do immensely enjoy doing this. I enjoy doing this immensely. You see, there's clear difference right there. This is the sort of absolute toss that, <laughs> that keeps you uh, keeps you interested, isn't it? I hope it is, because if it isn't, I'm talking to fucking nobody. Anyway, look, thank you very much. Really appreciate your support. Um, try and support through Patreon if you can. That would really help the podcast. Frankly, it'd help me pay some bills. That would be marvellous. Otherwise, this thing falls apart. Um, I have been asked a few times if there is a... Um, um, if there is a, a way you can contribute to the show, if there's like a donate, there is not. There is no donate button. There is no donation. Although you can feel free to sign up at Patreon for like, you know, one month and then go again. And that would have the exact same effect, except instead of just a donation, you get loads of really cool stuff. So try it out. Why not? Anywho, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Who am I kidding? To you. It's more at you, really, isn't it? Um, look, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you're well. And remember, please, if you're at work listening to this, send an email to howard at allabouttherock.co.uk. Title the email work. Send it from your work address, your work email address. And... Um, Tell me what you do. That would be awesome. Tell me what you do and where you listen to the podcast. That would be awesome. When you're at work. that's And, and, and I, I like this because occasionally these emails appear as people... I've, I've mentioned this on other podcasts, um, uh, previous podcasts. Other podcasts make it sound like other podcasts that aren't this podcast. But I do mean this podcast. I just mean other episodes of this podcast, not another podcast anyway. Um yeah, I've mentioned it before, and I, occasionally I, I get these emails through in a titled work, and it catches me out every time, and I just think, oh, what? What's this? Oh, fucking hell, yeah. So um, so keep sending them through, because it does make me giggle. And I like the thought of these podcasts, like, you know, being out there and available for, like, you know, centuries to come. And, um, you know, when I'm long dead and gone, people still sending emails saying work. <laughs> anyway, fucking hell. It's dragging on a bit now. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I will speak to you again soon. Take care. Cheers.